I would like to start this episode with a dedication. Yes. So I'm going to bring the energy down before we get to laughs and sillies. If okay. That's all right. Would it be upsetting to you if I tried to ramp things up right afterwards, or should we remain somber for uh, some amount of time? No, I don't want to prolong it. Okay. Because I'm not a person that likes to cry. I cry at everything, but I don't like it. Sure. Well, okay. I'm preparing zaniness to explode right after this. Just everyone prepare for it. Like I've I've expected him to have queued up some like Looney Tunes sound effects. (laughs) I wish I had. I didn't know this was coming. So (laughs) anyway. So um, I would like to dedicate this episode to my grandfather, Rocky, who's no longer with us. This movie has a lot of special significance to me and my family, but we, we weren't allowed to call him grandpa. We had to call him Rocky. That was his military nickname. Can I interject with questions? Yes. Why? He didn't ever want to be someone's grandfather. He oh, was Rocky. Weird. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Arthur Rockland, Lieutenant Colonel at U.S. Air Force, retired. He was born September 26, 1921 in Newark, New Jersey, and passed away on September 20th, 2009. He became an Army Air Corps pilot and served in the Pacific during World War II, flying 50 combat missions. He was twice awarded Distinguishing Flying Cross and the Air Medal five times. His last assignment was professor of aerospace studies at the University of Miami and retired after 22 years of service both in the U.S. Air Force and abroad. His next career was professor of business studies at Miami-Dade College, where he served for 16 years. So Rocky, being retired Army, reminded my family a lot of the colonel that's featured in the White Christmas storyline. And there's just a very special significance where we associated Rocky with that end scene of Wolf All the Old Man. So Rocky, uh, this one is for you. It's I'm not an overly sentimental person. This movie just always made me think of you. So uh, this is this is the podcast called Rose Tinted Reels. It is. I am one of the hosts on this particular program. My name is Zach. That's Zach what, Cherry. That's what people call me to get my attention. Sometimes I just go, "Hey, you." It's very rude. It's super rude. I wish you would stop that. Can you? Would you agree to not doing that ever again? Nah. Sometimes I also point. I'm like, "Hey," and I snap at him. That like, thing right there. That thing. Just yeah. pay attention. You. You. Hey, hey. you. You dummy. Hey. Hey, you stupid face. Look over here. No, I wouldn't go so far as to call you a stupid face. You think my face is smart? Well, it's not stupid. Somewhere in between? Just kind of dull? I mean, you could be like, you have one of those um, ambiguous faces. You could be a genius or maybe you just clean toilets for no money. Now, I, I'm not trying I'm, to say the janitorial people are dummy and stupid. Well, I'm just going to say that, you know, behind every person, there's a brilliance that maybe we have not yet tapped. Look, so. I haven't seen Goodwill Hunting, so that part of my perspective has not yet been enlightened. I didn't love Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, like, I know but, I'm in the minority there. But it reveals that janitors are geniuses. Well, that janitor. All janitors. <laughs> well, you know, if Breakfast Club has taught us anything, it's that. Well, There's the, the secret brilliance. Well, what Breakfast Club taught us was that the janitor was definitely Michael Anthony Hall's father. No, no, 
That has never been confirmed, ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that's the case. No, because when they say the janitor's name, it doesn't match what he said his father's name is. Uh, Unless you think this is like a deep cut, like it, he's really trying to hide it. Look, if Salah owns Omar's garage, then uh, Michael Anthony Hall's father can have a different name. <laughs> now we already determined why Salah was also Omar, which was also, you know. Uh, did we? Yes. I because missed that I explanation. So. <laughs> okay, that's the one. Okay. Gotcha. I forgot that. <laughs> so, hi. What's your name? My name is Allison Krauss. So, that's what I should say if I want to get your attention and say things to you? Well, you could also say, hey, Allison, or Allison, or don't don't call me Allie. I'm not an Allie. You're not an, I've, yeah, you've never felt like an Allie. No, it's, you know, I think part of it is my arch nemesis was once named Allie. Not, uh, now I don't want to name them. But oh, okay. they, they have a last name. I mean, but they're your arch are, nemesis, though. They, they they were. I've grown up since then. <laughs> you don't have arch nemeses anymore? I, I think we all have, like, a general idea of an arch nemesis. Like, the Karens of the world could be a good arch nemesis that we could focus our attention to. And mm. I'm not saying people named Karen. I'm just saying that people that act like a Karen. Sure, sure. But yeah, but that's kind of too vague a target. I feel like for a nemesis to be a nemesis, you have to have... You have, you have to have the real name. But do they have to recognize that they are the antagonist to your story? Not Is nece- that part of it? Like, not, not necessarily. Does Joker know that he is the arch nemesis of Batman. I, I well, say yes because he, he delights in it. But yeah. so so I guess that, that brings about the question is an arch nemesis relationship, a dyad, if you will, requiring the knowledge of that relationship to be shared between the two people. Because I'm pretty sure that that alley never knew that I felt so viscerally. Uh, with hatred? Yes. No, I don't think that the nemesis has to know. I think that they can be an unwitting nemesis. Hmm. I feel like most nemeses do, like at least in movies and books and video games, they they know. Yeah, they I mean, know. It's it's a, it's a it's a cliche uh, arrangement, but I don't so, think it's necessary. So to them, they are your whole world. They don't even know. Yeah, and to, <laughs> to them, they're, they're just going on about. Yeah, isn't that tragic? <laughs> <laughs> I think that if there isn't a movie like that, there should be kind of a either a superhero movie or something like that where the the main superhero has a nemesis, and that nemesis is totally unaware that anyone cares. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of the plot of uh, The Incredibles. The first one? No, because yeah. he was the super fan turned into a super villain. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Incredible never gave that Buddy additional thoughts. So he never realized that he was becoming the nemesis of Buddy. Or uh, the, the plot of Scrooge, the, the head director guy played by Bill Murray, didn't know he was the nemesis of the guy with the head trauma. Yeah, yeah, see? There you go. Unwitting nemesis. Unwitting nemesis is a great name for a band. It is. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, it's a good name for a movie, but it's an even better name for a band or an album. I don't know, yeah, and, but it would have to be like a really good kind of like dark, grungy band, like Unwitting Nemesis. Yeah, like they they would have to have like a, I don't know, like a volt beat kind of sound to them. Or maybe it's a Christian rock band, and they're talking about the devil. Hmm. Yeah, because I, I guess the devil is many people's nemesis, but that is their choice. Yes. Well said. I think we can all agree with that. Happy Christmas, everybody. Uh, Let's get into white Christmas. White. Very, so, very white. So very white. I, I have a feeling that this is getting white. into... <laughs> Whitey white. Whitey bulger. White. Whitey bulger. So very, very white. 
Barry, Hi. Barry White? This is Barry White. <laughs> I like that Barry White is like our... our He's a recurring character. Yeah, yeah. Um, I successfully did a ritualistic turkey slaughter for Thanksgiving. I know, and I wasn't around for it. Damn it. I'll make it again sometime. Or a roast a chicken for us. How about a roast goose? I don't know where one buys goose. But goose is so synonymous with the Christmas time. I think mm-hmm. we'll have to do goose. At some point, perhaps. I just... That and... Have you seen a goose? They're pretty cute. Not after their heads chopped off. <laughs> well, now I'm just sad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the uh, it, it was a successful Thanksgiving. Although, good, good. what made me saddest was uh, my husband does not care for mashed potatoes. So I did not get my mashed potato fix this year. Oh, see, we had mashed potatoes, but they were mashed. Potatoes. They were <laughs> sweet mashed potatoes. And I'm not really a fan of the sweet mashed potato. You, you're not a fan of sweet potatoes. Uh-uh. I know this to be true of you. I don't know why they make me vomit. It maybe they're just too cloyingly sweet. It's probably the same reason I don't like bell peppers. And they it, just hit my palate wrong. You know, and I think it was I'm just analyzing myself from when I was but a lad, a small little baby fella. Do you need to lay on a couch real quick? And you, just all right, I'm going to stretch my mic out. So when I was a kid, <laughs> um, I I had a big dinner with my grandparents, and I think they must have made sweet mashed potato and i had some and i was expecting it to have a very different flavor and i think it was the difference between what i was expecting and what i actually got that ruined my life and i apologize i was taking pictures of zach for our social media page of when podcasting becomes therapy um i'm I'm not in a flattering position (laughs) (laughs) No, no you went to do the lie down and so that's what it looks like It looks like you're slouching for days. (laughs) So when you guys see this picture, know that I don't look so ridiculous normally. No, normally we both have very good posture because we want to get into the mics and such. Exactly. Stuffing is another one. So my parents make, I love you, mom and dad. You make the worst (laughs) stuffing. (laughs) Why is it so bad? Well, they they put things in it that I don't think are normal to stuffing. Peaches? No, they put apples and like uh, oh, was actually sausage. was not far off. Yeah, um, sausage and apples. Apples is and weird. Meat. So that's becoming more of like a casserole or something. Well, it's it's still considered a dressing or a stuffing. Now, I also don't know what the difference is between a dressing and a stuffing. I don't either. But from my understanding, what normal people do, and I hate to say normal, normal air quotes, normies. What normies do is they uh, cut up bread cubes and usually there's chicken stock and maybe some sort of vegetation within it so are we laughing at the people that do it this way like are you about to say that you do it in a much more authentic way or something no i'm just saying my parents do it in a way that is not the norm oh i see okay so we're laughing at your parents gotcha i just want to know i always want to know who we're laughing at that's all i will say though that my mom's uh sweet potato casserole is always really good now do i just eat the toasted marshmallow that's on the top of it maybe but that (laughs) marshmallow with the pecan underneath is delightful a marshmallow with a pecan. Mm-hmm. A that's pecan. that's tasty. That's a that's a good combo. Yeah, with just the essence of the sweet potato underneath. Ew. <laughs> no, no, it's not actual sweet potato. It's the essence. It's Ugh. like someone's whispering the name of sweet potato in a different room. Uh, yeah, it still makes me want to vomit. <laughs> like just talking about it makes me want to vomit. Well, you and Mark both have your anti-potato issues. So what's weird to me though is like Mark will eat, like if I do a baked potato, he'll eat that. I'm like, well, what is on the inside of a baked potato? Potato. Mashed potato. (laughs) Yeah, but it's not mashed, is it? Solid. When you pick it up with your fork, it kind of has a fluffy mashed texture. It's more flaky. 
flaky. Yeah, it's like solid and it comes off in flakes and, and chunks. We are not making potatoes sound good to anyone who miraculously has not tried potato in their life. Oh, I thought you were going to say who has miraculously not turned this episode off yet. Well, they might have. They might have. And had then to, they'll never know. Had to sit through a eulogy and now us going on about how much potato makes us want to vomit. You googly. <laughs> you googly. Bet you didn't even think I knew what a you googly was. <laughs> what is this? A school for ants? <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Zoolander. Zoolander is a good movie. So yeah. did you know that we now have 45 likes on Facebook? I invited all my friends. So I have a moral dilemma. Mm-hmm. I get very frustrated at friends of mine who participate in MLMs who forcibly invite me into those friends groups and yeah. I'm having trouble squaring forcibly inviting people. You said MLMs? MLMs, the the pyramid scheme, the mar- multi-level marketing. Oh, okay. So like I I don't like it when people kind of force me to their shopping groups and I know that this is a little different but it, well, so I, we're, this is free. This is free. It's true. And they could just ignore me. But yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything morally wrong with doing that. I, I struggled with that for a, a while too. That's why I just did it. Mm-hmm. But mainly just because I didn't want to be annoying. Not not because I was having a moral thing with it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a free thing. They can choose to listen. Not We're not advertising anything except for potatoes. Well, eventually we may advertise something for some profitability of the yeah, podcast. Yeah, but not we, yet. Not yet. But this is we get them in now, and then we advertise later. See, that's how you do it. This is, how, this is my MLM uh, conference. You get them in <laughs> while it's free. Then charge them. Oh. Say. Get them hooked. Right? Give them a taste. First yeah. one's free. Oh, yeah, that, that noise. People that on the other horrible. side. I know. People at home. I, for, for I, don't even, <laughs> I hate noises like that. Yeah, and I just did it to everybody yeah. else. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was literally about to say, I was like, you know, for the person who hates like eating noises, <laughs> I'm really shocked at you right now. I apologize. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is my formal apology to everybody. Look, we're 20 minutes in and we haven't even gotten past personal news. Oh, I moved on to podcast. I, Continue. Do you have more? Because I don't, before we leave podcast news, it's not really about the podcast it's more about this episode but i didn't know exactly when would be the correct position to talk about it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i'm going to talk about it after you're done whatever else you've got to say here okay. uh so the only other thing is uh we are still going strong with our sweepstakes when we get to that first 100 likes so sweepstakes. do participate because you want our delightful prizes exactly anyway so what did you want to disclaim so uh, i didn't know exactly know where else to talk about this but can we talk about her waist uh, yes. So Vera Ellen very tragically died of anorexia. I believe it. I really believe it. Um, I mean, I really, really believe it. So, um, Vera Ellen, very famous for her dancing skills, had always struggled with her weight and wasted acceptance. And so tragically, she, she did die August 30th, 1981 at the age of 60. And, and actors and other people would comment throughout her life about they could see her kind of fading. So it's, mm-hmm. it's very sad. It sure is. I, I didn't know it was going to be anorexia. I thought it was going to be she wore corsets or something. No, uh, th- this is someone who, uh, well, she may have wore corsets as part of her dancing. Kind but of that wasn't the reason, the, no. or at least the primary reason that she looked so skinny. No, uh, I mean, dancers usually have a very trim body, but Vera Ellen happened to be anorexic. Also interesting, you'll notice in the movie, you'll never see her neck. She always wore costumes or jewelry. Or I did hear about that. Yeah. yeah. So, but that's turning into. But you didn't say why. 
oh she wanted it to be her thing like there's uh mini parole had her hat tags and things like that it was she wanted it to be her thing see i didn't think you were going to say that i read something different i i read that the myth at least was that she was always covering her neck because it had been damaged by anorexia oh so we read two different facts about that so i I mean that could be part of it right but i i could be spreading a vicious rumor Mm. so that totally don't even take that with salt consider that wrong until you actually verify that okay but that's what i read anyway so there's some scenes where she just looks so thin that it's a lot like because she also really highlighted it with belts and things she did very startlingly it's rosemary clooney was not a large woman but next to vera ellen just Mm -hmm. (laughs) anyway anyway so yeah i wanted to bring that up so let's move on we've got just want to remind you guys that you can follow us on facebook twitter and uh you know other places too but those are the main places that we post regularly uh at rose tinted reels for updates you can also join our rtr community face place group on facebook and comments from the social medias we would normally read here do we have any though so we had some discussions essential holiday watching and whatnot well we got uh marty saying that his one of his favorite all-time movies is little nemo which is really timely because we were just talking about nemo's adventures in slumberland that's right yeah and it's it's it is one of my favorite movies too. So, what was the one you had posted? Oh, you're no wait. You're looking for romantic comedies in this post. Oh you know, yes, because we had enough holiday watching. So the next major holiday was going to be uh, Valentine's Day. Nuh-uh. Love Day. Nuh-uh. The next holiday. New Year's. Well, yeah, but also <laughs> more importantly, Arbor Day. <laughs> no, Groundhog Day. My birthday. But you've seen Groundhog. Day. I know, but it's still a holiday that we should recognize and celebrate. Oh, okay. Yay, Groundhog Day. (laughs) Let's do it again. Are there any other Groundhog Day movies? Because there really should be. That is a significant holiday for our nation, and we need to celebrate it. (laughs) Where are the filmmakers? Where are the artists? Where's Puxatani Phil? (laughs) Where's Puxatani? Puxatani, Puxatani? I thought you said Pakistani. (laughs) Pakistani. Pakistani. Well, I thought you said Pakistani Phil, and I'm like, what? Is this a character from a different movie? No, Paxatani. Paxatani. But Pakistani Phil could also be in the movie. <laughs> we just created a new legend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, so yeah, tons of suggestions. My brother has suggested we watch 10 Things I Hate About You. So he also suggested Clueless. Now, my thought and idea, mm-hmm. and I bring that to you, the listener, is maybe we should do a Shakespearean remake kind of segment uh, a couple films that are shakespearean remakes as clueless and 10 things i hate about you are both remakes of shakespeare plays uh, i had no idea about this until quite recently when you had said this to me yes clueless is based on emma and uh, 10 things i hate about you is taming of the shrew so i'm i'm very familiar with taming of the shrew I have seen it at the Globe Theatre, performed by the Royal Shakespeare Company. Thank you very much. Well, that may just make this movie pale in comparison. Yes. But it is one of the last films I know that has Andrew Keegan in it. Who? Teenage heartthrob Andrew Keegan. Who? He was on all the covers of Tiger Beat in the same era as Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Who? I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard Jonathan Taylor Thomas's name. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, doing a home improvement. Yeah, I was <laughs> Tim Allen. <laughs> uh, Tim Allen, he's my boy. He's your Santa Claus. He's he is my Santa Claus. Nobody else. Kirk uh, Russell. Kirk Russell. I was gonna say Kirk Douglas. I'm like, that's not quite right. Uh, Kirk, the Kurt Russell is 
a great Santa. And I really liked the Christmas Chronicles. So I just watched the second one. I haven't seen the second one yet. Don't spoil it. Is he in it? He's Santa Claus. Well, good. So, but uh, you know who else is in it? I don't. A delightful character known as Fire Fist from Deadpool 2. What? There's, there's superheroes in this movie now? No, it, it's not the, it's just the actor. He doesn't have the oh, Fire Fist powers. You said the character Fire Fist. I'm like, wow, this is going to be a crazy Christmas movie. <laughs> no, no, no. So there's that. Join all of our socials. And now we also have five-star reviews. You can review us and should indeed review us on Apple Podcasts. Five stars. And if it's a five-star review, no other rating, not four, not four and a half, not 4.9. If it's five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we will read it on this podcast. And you will be famous. All of your thoughts will be heard by tens and fives of people. Question. Yep. Does it give you the option to do a point rating or is it just whole stars? I don't know. I only do five. Yeah. That's how I live. You know what? You're living right, my friend. Yeah. I don't listen to a podcast that I'm not going to give five stars. Yeah. Yeah. Typically what I do, if I stop liking a podcast, just don't review them. But if I love them, I give them my love with a five star. Reviewing us on Apple Podcast, apart from getting your name and words out there, it also helps our visibility as a podcast on the platform. You know, it'd be an excellent idea if you had something you wanted to plug. Plug exactly. it on your podcast. Uh, plug it on your review. Yeah, see, this is a perfect way to advertise. Help us help you. Exactly. So we do have a five-star review that we uh, have gotten since our last episode was recorded. What? It is from... The Other Good Uncle. Now, I'm pretty sure this is my uncle who listens to the podcast, but don't tell anyone. He's, <laughs> he says in his five-star review on Apple Podcasts, mm -hmm. Who knew there was so much enjoyment to be had listening to a review of a movie you've already seen many times, and the movie is very old, and the review is longer than the movie? <laughs> but there is. <laughs> Thank you, Zachary and Allison. Keep them coming. Can't wait for a rose-tinted review of Monty Python or another Terry Gilliam movie. That begs the question, is there a Terry Gilliam film you have not seen? Name them all. Oh, Jiminy Christmas. Okay, hang on. <laughs> no, you've got to do this off the top of your head. <sighs> Actually, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen? Mm, I haven't even heard of that. Excellent. We got one. So, what? Well, he didn't say uh, more John Cleese movies, but I also would like to see A Fish Called Wanda. I thought you had. Uh-uh. She's celebrating. Well, I love that movie, and it oh. happens to be streaming right now. So it's oh. an excellent opportunity for us to... T I'm so happy. <laughs> you will love it. You, okay, oh, good. All right, well, we got to the bottom of that. Because I, I really think that Klein is an actor that you would absolutely love in this movie. Calvin? <sighs> Man, I don't know these things. That's what you're here for. I know. I'm failing today because I wasn't prepared to talk about A Fish Called Wanda, even though I just watched <laughs> it like three nights ago with Mark. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you watching cool movies uh, without me? Well, sometimes, you know, I, I'm by myself and with Mark, and that's like being by yourself. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Uh, no. No. Kevin Klein. Yeah. Kevin. All right. Well, there you go. So uh, that's, that's all we've got. So now we can ascend to act two inside the real. Mm? So let's, let's discuss events of the year. Are you prepared to go first? I am, okay. uh, because especially... Because it means that I may be able to, to scoop you if I go first. If I do the fact that I think you're going to read, I enjoy scooping you. Uh, give it a shot, man. I dare you. Lord of the Rings book released on you July 29th, 1954. <laughs> 1954 is also. No, oh, I'm sorry. What did, you, what did you just say? 
The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. <sighs> Which one? Fellowship of the Ring, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. This is your fact. It was. If you're properly <laughs> scooping me on some L.O.T.R. <laughs> uh, no, without Googling, I can tell you it was Fellowship and Two Towers. Both came out this year. Oh, okay. So I, I knew of Fellowship. I did not know Two Towers. Yeah, so it wasn't he, a full scoop. Nope. It was a half scoop of ice cream. <laughs> yep. So yeah, he, he wrote all three at once. And uh, I think the Fellowship came out in July and Two Towers came out a month or two later. Gotcha. Return of the King came out the following year. Just bing, bang bong. Yep. So, uh, all right. Well, scooping me on some LOTR. I can't believe. <laughs> so movie tickets were 70 cents this year. Not as popcorn was still $20. Popcorn, $20. See, Lord of the Rings. He's refusing to look at me right now. can't believe it. Mm. So the Supreme Court rules that race-based segregation in schools is unconstitutional. <laughs> That's not. That was your first one. Why did you read Lord of the Rings first? Because I wanted to scoop you. Yeah. <laughs> in my unearthing of trivia facts, I copied them into my database in order of which I found them. But that doesn't mean how I'm going to read them. I got gotcha. you. All right. Well, popular movies that year, The Kane Mutiny, The Glenn Miller Story, On the Waterfront, Seven Bridges for Seven Brothers. That sounds dumb. Seven Brides? Yeah. Uh, seven Brides for Seven Brothers is a very problematic musical. Is it? Why? Seven brothers kidnap seven women are like, you're my wife. Were they complicit? In the women? Yeah. Eventually, because there are songs. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they all listens, he works, right? So they all grew to love each other, I suppose. They, they, grew to, they grew to love their captors. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful Stockholm Syndrome movie. Yeah. They have hoedowns and uh, everything. Doesn't sound problematic at all. It sounds beautiful. Seven people found love. Well, they were forced to... For, forced love. Yeah, they, they were forced to have, find it, but they found it all the same. Woo. <laughs> so I wish someone would steal me, honestly, and uh, someone I would come to love. Well, I mean, people steal hearts all the time. Well, mine is still here, ready to be stolen. Uh, was this your turn or what? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was uh, correcting your uh, your movie title. Right. Oh, so yeah. And 20 Leagues Under the Sea. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. 20 Leagues Under the Sea. (laughs) It's a very boring movie. (laughs) They just want to bit down. You know what? It's a bit cold, bit dark. I think we should resurface. See a little bit of seaweed here. I'm going back up. uh, I'm just holding my breath. Let's just take the Nebuchadnezzar and go to Tahiti. (laughs) (laughs) We would have mojitos. (laughs) Dr. Jonas Selk began inoculating school children with the polio vaccine. Why is she trying to give kids polio? He. He, why is he trying to give, you would say Jonas? Jo- Jonas, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Sulk. But she was so, trying. he was trying to give uh, people polio, little kids? Inoculations. Yeah, but you know, the vaccine actually has a bit of the real virus in it. But, you know, very similar to homeopathic remedies. They they Whoa. dilute it by thousands. No, that is Whoa. not how it works. <laughs> oh, boy. I was about no. to no, have a towering a- rage. <laughs> no. I started uh, pretend doubting the virus. You can't, or the vaccine. You can't also do that. It's going to be mayhem. <laughs> then someone's going to listen and just. You know what I heard about vaccines? Well, I was listening to the RTR podcast, and both of them are doctors, and they were telling me the vaccine the like the homeopathy. So I'm just going to drink water. Uh. Shameless plug for one of the podcasts I really love. Oh, no, Ross and Carrie. They they will make fun of homeopathic remedies all the time because they're like, you know, it's stronger than the real thing, right? 
Less of it. <laughs> it's less, but it's more purified and diluted. It doesn't and make it, any goddamn. No, I, I don't understand the science behind that or why people follow it. What, there, because there isn't any science behind that. <laughs> why people follow it? Because people are susceptible to bad arguments and bad reasoning. Yeah, so they, they make a big point. They they went to a facility that dispensed ayahuasca, which is kind of like a peyote trip. Mm-hmm. Very potent stuff. But Carrie takes certain medications that would be very dangerous to blend with ayahuasca, anxiety medications and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so they gave her a tincture of a homeopathic solution of ayahuasca. So right. she makes a big point of every time they do a stage show, she sprays the tincture in her mouth and then she allows anyone else to take it because it's basically just like really bad tasting water. So I, I don't know why people... Do, uh, I think that they're really just resistant to testing, but it's really easy because you can dilute aspirin Mm -hmm. until it's basically just water and then have somebody test using that for their headache and a real aspirin. Well, so, so something that I read about the homeopathic remedy, so like you will have a a placebo effect, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, the, a lot of their treatments, they're giving you some of the poison or the toxin or the thing that's causing you the suffering, because through the diluted version of the poison, which is technically technically how vaccines work, is they, they take a very small portion of a controlled amount of virus and inoculate you with that because it builds up your immunity. Hair of the dog. Hair of the dog. But homeopathic is... Yeah, that's they, not the they, same as homeopathic. No, because they have like a specific mathematical formula of how much water to dilute and dilute and dilute and dilute. Well, no, I mean, you're diluting yourself. (laughs) Homeopathic treatments dilute the primary ingredient or the active ingredient until it's like one part in a million or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, literally, it is functionally just water because every bit of water has some amount of tons of different types of particle. I'm pretty sure, like every glass of water you drink, you drink has some poop particles in it. I was literally about to take a sip of my water. Go ahead. I mean, you're going to have to anyway. You have to survive. You have to drink water sometime. Just know that you're drinking a bit of poop. Yeah. Or, or not, and, not, and tons not of other things. Human, or dead people because dead exactly. people end up in water. S- yeah, sneezes. I mean, you're, you're like all types of viruses and minerals and all types of things are in your glass. So technically every glass of water is a homeopathic treatment for like a billion different things. And if water has memory, the water that I'm drinking also has the memories of all the people it's consumed. That's another thing. Yeah, they say the water has memory. So even if there is none of the active ingredient in the water, they say it has memory of that ingredient Mm -hmm. and is somehow therefore more powerful and more potent. So um, this is very similar to my next event of 1954. Yeah, we're 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 going hard against like <laughs> everything, <laughs> everything today. today. Yeah, so uh, I didn't mean to be so skeptical today. Anyway, but homeopathic treatments really do get on my jimmies, and I like, <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I I will go hard every single time that subject comes up. Yeah. Like religion and stuff like that, I'll bow out of a conversation. Doesn't matter to me. But homeopathic treatment, I think, is. It's evil. dangerous. Yeah. It's it, evil because you're preying on people who don't know any better and you are not giving them a cure for anything except thirst. <laughs> well, I will say that my mom has four basic remedies that will cure most things. And I, I say cure. It, it's just anytime I was sick as a child, she had four basic remedies and we would never go to the doctor because she's a nurse. And so it was um, Tylenol or Advil hot shower, tea, ramen soup, and put lotion on. 
Sure. And that will cure most of the things that are bothering you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'll make you feel better until your body's immune system takes care of it. Yeah. So, like, uh, if you're having, like, a rash or a lesion or something weird on your skin, most of the time, in my case, it was dry skin. So, lotion. It'll cure you. Mm -hmm. Headache. Nose cold. Fever. Advil. Tylenol. Usually, hot showers not only are cleansing to your body, but they also will help steam you open. So it's like there, there's a method behind this. <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, uh, homeopathic uh, practitioners, or more broadly, holistic medicine people, mm-hmm. can accidentally get answers right that are actually medically sound pieces of advice to give you. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they're 100 percent always wrong. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, but they're, they're, first of all, they're not practicing with good reasoning, mm-hmm. so they may accidentally get answers right. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm not making an excuse for it because my mom is not one of those practitioners, but right. she just she she's like you know if you go to the doctor every time you have a cold, you're not going to get good treatment for that. Like that right. that's something we can fix at home. Yeah, and to whatever extent the answer is right, I mean that's just regular science and medicine. So, did you know that the phrase under God was added to the Pledge of Allegiance in 1954? I did. I had a whole atheistic cast. Of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, there. <laughs> Take that. S- scooped you again. <laughs> it did, yep. What else happened in 1954? The cost of a gallon of gas was 22 cents, baby. Man, they, they were living the good life. I'm telling you, boomers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, boomers. <laughs> boomers were living easy. The end of the McCarthy trials started in December of 1954. Senator McCarthy is formally censured by the Senate in a 67 to 22 vote, effectively ending his communist witch hunt. That's a shame. Is Uh, it? Yeah. First nuclear powered submarine was created. No, 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 no. Why why is that a bad thing to... Nuclear powered submarines? Well, I mean, I guess it depends on how you're going to use them. I mean, really, any technology is just a tool and in the hands of the wrong person could be evil. Evil. I think, no, I meant communist. our hands, perhaps we were using it for the betterment of societies all around the world. Yes. I can, I can filibuster. I, I, I can filibuster. I can. I can. That was a good clip. No, but I can filibuster for ages. Don't even test me. I don't want to. But but you said huh? that the end of the communist witch hunt was a bad thing. Elaborate why that's bad. Communists are evil, and they should be witch hunted. But the people that were suffering as a result of the communist witch trial, much like the probably Salem com- witch. Probably communists, though, right? So they deserve to burn in hell. You need to read the crucible. <laughs> <laughs> Do I? Yes. Okay. So it's funny. There, there are two books slash movies slash plays that actually are a direct battle against McCarthyism and the the communist witch trials. So one was The Crucible and the other was On the Waterfront. So they were combative pieces, one in support of speaking up against the accused, which is On the Waterfront, and those who are against of falsely identifying, which is The Crucible. Interesting. So The Waterfront was uh, on the waterfront was that one of the movies that came out this year yep the director of that was a big proponent of mccarthyism so apropos of nothing but seemingly inspired by what you just said i really miss that we weren't able to do the renaissance festival this year i know yeah even though that really has nothing to do with salem either no i'm saying like it didn't really have much to do with anything but it just i guess got my mind on it now i'm missing it intensely anyway live and let die by ian fleming came out this year so take that Scoop, scooped you if you were trying to say that. I wasn't. I was actually done with my factoids. 
Well, my last one is that the Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring and Two Towers came out. See, you shouldn't have saved it for last or given me the power to go first. Uh-huh. Give me a second, though, because I haven't actually written my bad synopsis. But that's, the end no. of my, that's the end of my yearly things. So I'll go ahead and read my good, my, no, I shouldn't say good, but the actual synopsis okay. and then my bad synopsis. All right. A successful song and dance team become romantically involved with a sister act team and team up to save a failing Vermont inn of their former commanding general. My bad uh, synopsis is, whatever happened to Freckleface Haynes, the dogface boy in Alaska? I don't know, but everyone kept saying that he left the country when he went to Alaska. It's because, I guess it was a territory, but not a state at the time. Right. Uh, when did Alaska become a state? 59. 50, holy heckin' nine? Mm-hmm. Wow. 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 Whoa. Mind balloon. That is actually kind of mind blowing. My dad was born. Oh, God. I think he. Was he born in 60? I think he was born in 60. Yeah, he must have been born in 60. Right? Right? Right. All right. So uh, a year later, <laughs> my dad. Just listening. No. My dad was born in 1960. And so that was a year after Alaska became a state. So if, just the year before, Alaska was, wouldn't have been a state. But back then, could they see Russia from their houses? I bet the air quality was better, so possibly. Although World War II is when they had that big false narrative that beta carotene improved your eyesight. Yeah. yeah. I keep telling people that nobody believes me, that it, that that was a myth. No, it was a myth because carrots were easy to grow and cheap and nutrient dense, but beta carotene has nothing to do with eyesight. Yeah. It was a British pilot scam. Yep, 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 yep. I keep telling people that nobody wants to believe me. But now maybe once you've said it, all of a sudden people are going to give it more credence. You know... That is so typical. I know. It isn't. No, usually people. Woman-splaining everything I have to say. I know. All right, so here we go. Trivia. Mm-hmm. Trivia. Uh, wait, did you do your bad synopsis? Yeah. Freckleface yeah. Hames. That's right, yeah. All right. Do you want to do the first trivia? I had a hard time finding interesting trivia, but I did get a, a few. And it looks like I've got more, so maybe mm-hmm. I should go first. Uh, this was 1954's most successful film. Your turn. <laughs> Uh, so White Christmas was actually first performed in the film Holiday Inn, also starring Bing Crosby. Uh, Bing Crosby, Crosby, <laughs> Bing Crosby, rather, uh, playing opposite Fred Astaire. And Fred, that that famously had much racisms in it. Yeah, there there is a song and dance routine about Abraham, which Bing was in blackface, so. Not not great. They also did a minstrel song and dance number in this movie, which mm-hmm. they were supposed to be in blackface, but... They I'm were, glad they forewent it. Yeah, they decided to be more progressive, and uh, they were like, maybe we shouldn't paint our faces black. Yeah, and I... Yeah, I'm very glad, because that would have had a different tone. So, Fred Astaire was also tapped to play Danny Kaye's role, but he had just retired from... Who? Fred Astaire is the famous actor known for his dancing talents, played opposite of Bing Crosby in Holiday Inn. Haven't seen it. You showed me one scene, and I think it was the, the blackface re- scene. Yeah, because black I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, is that the end of that trivia? Yes. All right. So the sisters' performance was not originally in the script. They were clowning around on the set, and the director Michael Curtis thought it was so funny he decided to film it. Most of the laughter in that scene actually was real laughter mm-hmm. because they were having a really good time with it. Yeah. Yep. And uh, weren't, didn't we talk, I, I was watching the movie last night with Josh and I was, uh, or I asked him if he remembered, I think in the episode we did on Rocky Horror Picture Show, didn't we talk about how drag acts were illegal in America during some span of time? 
I, I think they were taboo. I remember talking about drag acts in like New York City or something. And I thought we had decided that it was illegal at some point. We talked about it a bit in Sleuth as well. So I think it would have been Maybe. a very big taboo for a full drag act. Right. So Rosemary Clooney and Vera Ellen, they were playing sisters. Rosemary Clooney was um, playing the older sister when she was actually seven years younger than Vera Ellen. Um, Rosemary was 26 at the time the film was being created and Fair Ellen was 33. Even more striking, Bing, who plays the love interest of Clooney, was actually 51 when the movie debuted. And that's a 25-year age. Yeah. So can we talk about the psychology of a parent that would name their child Bing? Bing. I'm pretty sure that's the stage name. I, that, that can't be what he was named. <laughs> what if it was, though? I mean... Bing. Chandler Bing. But that's the last um. name. Yeah, Bingham. His name is Harry Lillis Crosby okay. Jr. So, well, I guess Bing. I'm happy that it's not his real name, but yeah. why choose Bing? Bada Bing. Bada Bing, bada boom. I mean, he's a crooner, so, I mean, Bing kind of works for him. Bing Cherry. Bing. <laughs> I don't know why that's uh, <laughs> suitable for a, a crooner, but all right. It works. <laughs> uh, it sounds more like a game show host, if you ask me. This is Bing Crosby coming at you. Now open the uh, the red box or the blue box. You might win a boat. You might win a hoe. Like, like a woman of the evening or like a farming tool? A far- well, what the hell? Why'd your mind go to uh, sex work? <laughs> you said hoe. Yeah. The gardening implement for people to... Well, that's hardly the till equivalent the earth. of a boat. No, it isn't. That's <laughs> what, because a hooker. <laughs> that's why I'm saying that one one box gives you the good prize, and the other box you can you can do a little bit of gardening if you didn't already have this. Yeah, I, I guess in my knowledge of like bad prizes, like there are always things like a goat or a uh, banana peel or something stupid. But but not not a hoe. A hoe is a practical thing. Sure, just not as exciting as a boat. True. Anyway, so uh, was that, did you just go or is it my turn? I just went. I never remember. (laughs) After the final shot, they were informed that they would be redoing the finale because the king and queen of Greece would be visiting the set and the producer wanted to give them something to remember. Oh, that's cool. They, quote, reshot, unquote, the sequence with no film in the camera and without Bing Crosby uh, because he had skipped out to play golf. (laughs) He has no fealty degrees. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty interesting. They fake filmed the, the finale again. It's odd. The film instantly gained notoriety and buzz the year it was released for being in Vista Vision, Paramount's then brand new process of projecting on a wide, flat screen. The result was better pictorial quality and better on-screen colors. And just to give you a little bit of a uh, scoop for the future, that is one of the things that did make it a changing film. Like, it, it does hold up that that question. You know, did it impact or have a change? Yes, it was the first Feast of Vision. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is just a brand name for a different thing. So it was it was better than other things at the time. They made the, the camera get more image vertically. Which is weird because it said it was for widescreen, mm-hmm. but the description I got of it was that it actually made it more vertical. But I'm curious as to how um, that impacted the the color technology because they were able to have better color pop. Yeah, that I don't know, but it, I did read that it made the uh, high resing process. I don't I don't know what that's called, but the the process where you you take the the original film and you make it 4K apparently made it much easier because it was filmed on this division. Interesting. 
Yeah. So the Vermont Inn is the remodeled Connecticut Inn set from Bing Crosby's earlier movie, Holiday Inn. In White Christmas, the recycled hotel set is very gray and appears not to have been repainted in new colors. Since the Holiday Inn set was filmed with black and white film, the sets were probably originally painted in grayscale as a color palette scheme would have been a waste of resources in 1942. Interesting. I don't know why color paint would have cost more than gray paint. Maybe it does, but really, is it that much more? Yeah, making it dismal for the actors. Yeah, this is very drab. What's this movie about? (laughs) Holiday spirit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But it looks like gray vomit. Yep. It was in my house anyway. (laughs) What was your house like? Happy, (laughs) well adjusted. (laughs) Oh, must be nice. (laughs) We loved each other. So Vera Ellen didn't actually sing in the movie. Uh, She just danced and they superimposed the voice of Trudy Stevens. This fact actually blew my mind as I had not known this before looking up trivia about the movie. I always thought that it was Vera Ellen singing. I would have assumed so too. And also Rosemary Clooney can't dance and they needed someone to be a dancer playing kind of opposite of Danny Kaye. Uh, She said, and in fact, that she wished she could have dubbed her dancing. Like dubbing What's-Her-Face's voice, she wishes she could dub her dancing. Oh. <laughs> Basically have somebody else dance for her. That's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, so, Bing Crosby and Rosemary's Child both have descendants in the Star Trek series. Oh, hey, that was on my... Scooping you, baby! <laughs> Bing Crosby's granddaughter, Denise Crosby, was in The Next Generation. And Clooney's son, Miguel Ferrer, was in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. So did you know that the sandwich scene where Bing talks about the different sandwiches was all ad-libbed? And that's pretty, pretty something. Pretty cool. I guess. I don't know. And of course, you know, George Clooney is the nephew of Rosemary Clooney. I didn't know that. I hadn't read that fact. Did Is that true and real? I can't tell if you're... you're no, I genuinely, I genuinely <laughs> yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't read that in my trivias. Yeah, she's the person who helped get him into home. I mean, obviously, I recognize the, the name similarity, and I, I just... I assumed that wasn't the case and it was just a coincidence because nope. um, I would have read it. George Clooney, nephew of Rosemary Clooney oh. and um, Denise Crosby, like you said, is the granddaughter of Bing. Dennis. Dennis Crosby. Yar. It, no, I, I know it is Denise, but Yar. Yar. <laughs> yar. So I'll tell you this. Tell the me. snow that they used at the end of the film was actually asbestos. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that? like mashed potato flakes. <laughs> nope. Asbestos. Because I will say that there are movies that do use like instant mashed potatoes to be snow. Why? Before they kind of improved on fake snow technology. That's just what they used. Technology. Because the flakes were like easily picked up wind. Like so. Interesting. Did you know that in It's a Wonderful Life, they used soap as the snow? That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was that all soap suds. My eye, my eye. <laughs> I, I was I I walked in on somebody else watching a documentary on this, so I got a few facts from It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. But it was like when they were filming, it was like ninety degrees to one hundred degrees, and everyone had to wear coats and had soap blowing at them and stuff like that. Oh, that sounds so miserable. <laughs> yeah, it, I hope it was unscented. Yeah, that I don't know. They didn't <laughs> say that, but uh, yeah, that sounded like it would have been a miserable experience filming that movie. So there's a, a documentary series called The Films We Love, and they go into kind of the unknown trivia, or I shouldn't say unknown, but the less likely known facts of movies that we all grew up with and love. For instance, they cover Dirty Dancing, Die Hard, Home Alone. They're about to release the sequel on Netflix, which is just dealing with 
trivia that we didn't know about holiday movies we love. Oh, that would be interesting to watch for our podcast. It would. I'm curious if The Santa Claus is one of the films that they'll cover. I hope so. I'd like to learn more trivia about that movie. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I do a really bad Tim Allen. <laughs> so let's ascend to Act 3, Movie Analysis. So I could not remember for the life of me, and I thought I wrote it down, um, your predicted real rating. So I think I said it was a 6 out of 10. Okay, so, and you're, you said your nostalgia rating was 7? Seven? 7. 7. Mm-hmm. 7? 7. <laughs> do, do you want to fight about it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll spend the next hour or so doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, movie... Seven? Seven? Seven, really? I can say 6.9, but seven. On the Richter scale? Now, does that correspond? Have we decided if that corresponds to your heart or your real? So I I think this nostalgia more correlates to my heart because it's my memory of the film. Sure. Yep. Yep. Gree. 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 So uh, are you ready to get into the timestamps, eh? Let's do it, eh? All right, eh? All right. So this is the very beginning of the movie. This is the opening dance number. They're not very good except for Danny Kay. So I'm just going to let this kind of... Happened to you? Happened to you? He's a little stiff, Bing Crosby. It's dancing on stage. So there is a backdrop that they've managed to put in this kind of military encampment that looks like a peaceful Christmas village winter scene. Behind the backdrop, Funnily, is another backdrop. Is, is the war. There's uh, broken buildings, and there's a bunch of GIs sitting around a stage watching some guys do a, a bad dance. performance. It, I mean, it's not the worst. Honestly, my, my note is what a horrible time for humanity when this was considered entertainment. Well, what else you got? <laughs> I'd rather watch the war. Jeez. Much more compelling than that garbage. L- little bleak. <laughs> L- little bleak. So... Okay. He's a singer, you, so you, not a dance man. You you brought up the backdrop. So first of all, the the set, the in universe set that they've got on the stage there, the camera was originally pulling out of it as if it was actually looking at scenery, and that probably would have been very effective on lower resolution TVs. They probably would have thought that they were looking at the landscape of this little town. And they pulled out, and there was a stage with that as the kind of backdrop. But the actual backdrop that's supposed to look like the the real sky in the background. The real war, yeah. I just kind of wanted to shout out. So the set design is in this movie is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like the war and everything, it looks pretty good. The things, I guess the one element that kind of removes the realism from the moment in any given scene is the lighting. Because it's all lit kind of like it's on a set. Or yeah. like it's on a stage or a sitcom or whatever like that. They it's, hadn't perfected the lighting technology. Yeah. I mean, if you look at some, uh, like if someone's walking down a hallway or a, not a hallway, but, a, you know, on the set, it's supposed to be outside. You'll see that they've got like seven shadows because there are lights all around them. Yeah. It looks ridiculous. And sunlight, as we know, does not work like that. Or moonbeams, uh, as Zach pointed out in Wexford. Waxwork, yeah, because they're not supposed to go in multiple directions. Nope. But the the sun is one source of light, not seven, in different positions. And it is a massive incandescent gas. That's right. And apparently they had one inside the Chamber of Sorrows or whatever in Indiana Jones 1. Chamber of Sorrows. Different film, but... <laughs> is there a Chamber of Sorrows in another film? Well, no. So there's Chamber of Secrets, which is Harry Potter. Yes. So there's Ark of the Covenant. Right. So I'm talking about the the Ark of the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. They went into the Chamber of Sorrows, I think it is, isn't that? Now I'm trying to remember the name of the chamber. Pretty sure it's the Chamber of uh, Sorrows. 
Souls, maybe? Chamber of Souls, yeah. There you go. Yeah, well, anyway, they went down there. If you'll remember, there was a second sun down there. Mm -hmm. So maybe that disproves my point. Anyway, this is garbage. (laughs) (laughs) What is this? So, okay. They're just watching two guys flail and not make any noise. They're not singing or anything. They're just kind of flopping around. They're kind of tapping and jamming to the music. Okay, so you're in the middle of World War II. I guess you'll get what you can take, but still. Yeah, you you didn't. This is impromptu. But still. I'm amazed that they were able to come up with wardrobe, set design, a a tree, a music box. Like, these are all things that they would have had to find or make. Look, yeah. I would listen to the music and I would look at that backdrop. I get off the stage, guys. You are (laughs) detracting from this. Excuse me. Little to the right. You're ruining. Little further. <laughs> you're ruining the performance of that still painted sheet behind you. And even you. the jazzy music is pretty good. Like not, I'm not saying what they are doing is good, but like the little jazz band that's playing. Well, I mean, you take what you get. I'm not a particular fan of jazz. I think it sounds depressing. But <laughs> <laughs> just pick a beat. <laughs> just, but I, well, I, no, it's I, it's sorry, mainly especially quote. Yeah, yeah. But in certain moments throughout this movie, it, there's a, a trumpet playing, and it sounds like the trumpet has a sore throat. <laughs> The trumpet's depressed. It's in war. <laughs> anyway. So. May your day. Hang on. Oh, wait. Look how sad he is. I know. He's <laughs> he's somber and contemplative. There, There's a couple May soldiers your... who just look like, you know, this song is really just making it worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, they're, they're making my point, too. No. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. He does. They, he definitely looks contemplative. He looks like he's trying to listen to his iPod, <laughs> which is really incredible because in 1954, was, not a thing. It was an early uh, prototype. <laughs> or 1944, early prototype. Yeah, ham radio. <laughs> yeah, that was the early. That was the early iPod. It was Apple's <laughs> ham radio. Uh, anyway, yeah. So these guys are taking this song really seriously, and this this guy's crooning along. And may all your... Was there a law that said that uh, army outfits had to make you look like a doofus? <laughs> no, no. But I will also say that his belt seems really much higher than normal belts. No, it's really his hat. Well, also his eyebrows. They look stupid. But his hat, look at his hat. It's like folded up like that. He just looks like he's trying to be Gomer. Gomer, Gomer Pyle. Gomer Pyle was, was, I don't know, he just looks like an idiot. Like he just give him, give him a more dignified hat at the very least, or cap, whatever you people call it. <laughs> you people, you military people. So I will argue. Hang on, wait. Not a clap. <laughs> well, that just about wraps it up. Fellas. Why did his voice change so much? When war. Well, anyway, guys, that wraps it up. <laughs> so. One thing I will say about his hat, he's not wearing that kind of the regulation way. So he should be court-martialed. Uh, well, so what what I'm trying to get at is he's wearing it a way that he thinks makes him look cooler because it's not regulation. Right. On a scale of 1 to 10, he's wrong. That's not even a number on the scale. It's off. <laughs> it never even made it on the scale. No, but yeah, but what 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 happened with his voice there? He's like, may be merry. Well, anyway, so guys, if you want to go over here and take a look at the, the buffet, they've got stuff. Sometimes people singing voices don't match their speaking voices. Clearly. 
Well, I think he, he was dubbed over by somebody who was more talented at singing. It, no. It's too bad General Waverly couldn't have been here for this. It sounds much more jarring because he's singing very l- soft and low. Like, but it seems very well amplified. So it's reaching the back lines and everything. And then he starts talking in a more kind of powerful voice, but it sounds quieter. So part of that is probably due to the fact that the songs were pre-recorded, but the speaking wasn't. So he probably, when you shout, there's a higher quality. Yeah. So yeah. it probably has to do with the pre-recorded song, which is in his natural singing registry versus... It sounds, well, I mean, I, it's definitely what you're saying. Like when, you, when you're shouting like this, it kind of makes your voice sound like that, but... He sounded so amplified with his voice, real deep like this, so I expected his voice to sound more like this. Hey, guys. Barry White. Hi, this is Barry White. (laughs) So after the Christmas finale, we hear shots, and they get low to uh, presumably avoid air fire um, and secure themselves, and they're about to be raided. And this is one of the few compliments I'm going to give. This is 1954 that they're filming this, or 53 when they're filming, perhaps. But the set is good, and the, the, the bombing effects, like the little explosions that they're doing, pretty convincing. Yeah, no, pretty it's convincing. especially like realistic bombings would have this more kind of, I, I feel like they had a real aesthetic of the, a real kind of bombing situation. Got him out of there. I mean, honestly, you could have just tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, get out of the way. Come on, buddy. Thing falling on you. So how did he hurt his arm? Uh, the second debris fall that was coming down fell upon him. <laughs> I think it's hilarious throughout this movie that he keeps grabbing his arm whenever he wants. <laughs> it's so obviously manipulative, yeah. but he keeps doing it. He's like, oh. It, it works. <laughs> and give him, he gives him a little puppy dog look you, like, oh. You know, I never, I never asked you for anything when I saved your I life. I never asked you for gratitude. <laughs> well, you're going to get it. <laughs> So thank you for a great success. <laughs> We're going to watch that whole scene because I've got that time. Oh, uh, I love, I love Danny Kaye. So Danny Kaye is one of my favorite classical actors. Just he has those, and being called it correctly, his big cow eyes. Like as like, it's like, I dare you to say no to Danny Kaye because you'll just do that little puppy eye thing. Mm. Yeah, uh, but- He was the, I guess he was the originator of the patriarchy in Hollywood. Not going to say no to Danny Kaye. No one says no to Danny No one Kay. says no to Danny Kay. Don't make him give you the look. He'll give you the look. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about a really serious topic, but it sounds adorable. <laughs> no one says no to Danny Kay because he'll give you the look. <laughs> His big cow eye look, as Bing calls it. <laughs> yeah, he's not, he's not like leveraging power in the industry. He's just going to give you his look. He's going to give you his look. And he's like, you know what? I feel guilty. Yes, take whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) So um, Bing and Danny Kaye, we find out, become very successful in the theatrical industry. They have a stage show and performance. and uh, No taste in hats. No taste in hats. We are backstage where they are making their holiday Christmas plans, preparing to go to New York. And Danny Kaye would like a break. Oh, Bob. Can I see a minute? (laughs) You know Doris, friend of Rita's. Another one, huh? How do you do? Mutual, I'm sure. What the hell does that mean? Uh, Mutual. <laughs> I think the, imp- I think it was implied 
that she was expecting him to say, nice to meet you. Or something. Like she and, can't. and he didn't say that, so she was sardonically saying, well, it's nice to meet you too, you son of a bitch. Oh, no, that that's that's her being a bimbo. That that wasn't sarcastic. That that doesn't come until after he doesn't go for it. I don't know. I thought that that seemed like she was she was being a little bit biting right there. She was like, oh, mutual. Since you, you didn't say anything nice to me, I'm I'm letting you know that you didn't say anything nice to me by saying I reciprocate those feelings you didn't express. I think she's just dumb. I think, oh, I think yeah. she's dumb, too. But I think mm-hmm. she was smart enough to realize that he wasn't following the expected social norms. Oh, so what's funny, you and I have completely two different takes. I think she was searching for a word that made her sound smarter than she actually is. <laughs> Her voice is ridiculous, though. <laughs> well, how do you like that? Not so much as a kiss my foot or half an apple. <laughs> I didn't understand that. I, I rewound it and put the subtitles on because I had no idea what the hell she was talking about. <laughs> and the subtitles were wrong. The subtitles were not correct. It skipped one of her lines and butchered another one of her lines. So I didn't really. Uh, Josh yeah, was it, sitting next to me and translated. Yeah. Because he'd heard the apple line. Yeah. Which I, what, what's the apple line again? Not so much as a kiss my foot or half an apple. Half an apple. Yeah. Do people go around offering people half apples? Well, I think like uh, he didn't seem to care about me even half an apple's worth. Yeah, and I think that goes uh, goes some way to indicate that she was looking for him to compliment her so that she could reciprocate, but he didn't do that. Yeah, but I I don't think she got that quite yet. Let's see. So, because like if you look at her face. Oh, Bob. Oh, Bob. Can I see a minute? You know Doris, friend of Rita's. Another one, huh? How do you do? Mutual, I'm sure. And maybe she's responding to him saying another one. Maybe she heard him say another one, huh? I think you're giving her too much credit. I don't she's think, I don't think, bin- yeah, but I don't think you have to be an intelligent person to hear someone and know that you're being insulted. No. So I, I, I took it a different way. Sure. Uh, I thought before train time we'd get a bite to eat and have a few laughs or something. Mm-hmm. No, I can't make it. I'm afraid you can't either. We got some business. So now there. is when she gets what offended. Kind of got some business. Look at, look at an act some other time, I hope, huh? Well, I like that. Without so much as a kiss, my foot, or ham and apple. Look at her flailing around. I will say that I like their sparkly outfits. The... I won't say that. Oh, I, I think it's a cool look. It, you know, I like that kind of um, style, that 50s style. Kiss my foot, or half an apple. It's either half or half. I still don't know. <laughs> I've seen this a hundred times. Well, it did not specify in the subtitles. Yeah, it's a good idea, Buster. And if you don't mind, I'll lead off. Oh, now, wait a minute. No, you, you wait know, a minute. For about three months now, you've been clumsily God, trying to tangle with some female. <laughs> All I'm trying to do, bad ones, tall ones, thin ones, doesn't make any difference. As long as they're wearing skirts, little mascara, and still breathing, so, you ran them out. Can you pause it real quick? Yes. There's still a standard there that they have to wear a little mascara. They can be fat, short, ugly, but as long as they have a little mascara, mascara yeah, i don't wear way. mascara every day so they would not or skirts or skirt yeah so you would not qualify as a woman <laughs> for these gentlemen well and i'm married now bitch is married marty really <laughs> likes it when i say that so <laughs> marty likes that oh yeah he said like if we ever have merch i have to have to get a shirt that says the bitch is married did you say that in a former episode a previous yeah, episode yeah. Oh, okay what was the context i have no idea I don't <laughs> but marty really liked it so shout out to super fan princess marty the bitch is married <laughs> <laughs> anyway it's 
for your own good. For my own good. Yeah, let's face it, Bob. You're a lonely, miserable man. Is what? it just me or does a uh, fella here? This is Danny Kay. Yeah. Uh, he looks a bit like Kramer in my estimation. He's got a Kramer face and a bit of Kramer hair. I bet if he tried, he could have Kramer hair. He would have to really tease it up. Too. And when you're unhappy, I'm unhappy. And he has After that all, kind of zany quality. Tall and lanky. He grabs his arm. <laughs> well, if you'd rather forget it. <laughs> How can I? You won't let me. <laughs> Since you saved my life, you decided you had the right to run it. Why is he tossing him all of this stuff? Every step of the way. I guess he's Hammers at the shoe trunk. Pushed, put it at your station. Enough. You'd look at me with Maybe those he doesn't have a shoe trunk. Eyes of yours, point Shit. at that phony arm and I'd melt and go along. Well, I don't expect any gratitude. Well, you're going to get it. We did great and I'm grateful. So thank you. Thank you, Phil Davis, from the bottom of my heart. Now, will you let the rest of my life alone? No, I won't. Well, why not? Because you're a miserable, lonely, unhappy man. Oh, so? you're wacky. I'm a very... <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh when I first uh, watched the movie. He's like, oh, you're wacky. That... <laughs> Oh, that's a biting insult. I know. I, I felt the burn. He was trying to hurt me with that one. For the wrong reasons, and that's the same as being lonely and miserable, except it's worse. You know something? You're off your nut about a mile and a half. I got everything in life oh, I want. Sure. Oh, sure. I'm off my nut a mile and a half. At least. You've got everything you yes, want, I'm except loaded. the most important thing. What's I really think arguments need to go back to being like this. Whoa. <laughs> I'll get her out of that one of these days. My dear partner. I like how he changed pants into a pair of identical pants. Won't be worth getting whatever it is you've got left. Out what yeah, but they're clean. He soiled the other ones. Reply. What's yeah. back all this anyway? Nothing, nothing. Only your happiness. My happiness. You know, when you get an idea that's for my soul and ultimate happiness, there's always lurking behind it somewhere a little angle for you. Now, what is it? You really want to know? Yes, I really want to know. All right, I'll really tell you. Well, then lay it on me, will you? Ever since the day we became producers, you were a changed man. You've gone absolutely berserk with work. And the strange thing is you liked it. You liked being Rogers and Hammerstein. Well, it was your idea, you know. Well, sure it was my yeah. idea, but I didn't think I was going to create it. Failed to button that button. From that day on, I haven't had one minute I could call my own. What do you want me to do Does he have it? buttons? I don't think I there are buttons on that shirt. Oh, I yeah, want there. you to have yeah. nine children. And if you only spend five minutes a day with each kid, that's 45 minutes. And I'd at least have time to go out and get a massage or something. You don't expect me to get serious with the kind of characters you and Reed have been throwing at me. Well, there have been some nice girls, too, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, like that nuclear scientist <laughs> we just met out in the hall. <laughs> so I just realized for the first oh, time watching just now, college. he threw him something that he dropped. You just now noticed that? Yeah, I never paid attention to the fact that he dropped it before. Oh, that's the only thing I could see. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so weird. Why not just use a different take? Yeah. Or cut away from him because it just it cuts to a close up or a medium shot of Danny Kay over here. Yeah. Just do that like a millisecend beforehand before he drops the thing. It makes sense. They didn't go to Smith. Go to Smith. She couldn't even spell it. Oh, very funny. Oh, oh, oh! The crooner is now becoming the comic. Phil, let me tell you something. I hate you. Sense in what you say, and I have to admit it, but. I want to slit your throat. Men's shirts do not have that kind of loopy. So they're getting changed, and uh, Danny Kay has changed into a collared shirt, and there is a very dramatic U-shape cutout between the front panel and back panel of the shirt, and I don't think current shirts have quite that same. It's more triangular. Well, it was like this so that you could have garters or whatever that um, clamp to the bottom of the shirt and the top of your sock. Oh, interesting. Yeah, keep your shirt tucked tight throughout the day. Fascinating. Their own careers, they're not interested in getting married, settling down, raising a family. That's funny, Bob. I never heard you open up like that before. Someday the right girl's going to come along. and If she'll have me, we'll get married, we'll settle down, we'll start having those nine kids for you. 45 minutes going to be enough? 
If I need any more, I'll tell you. Come in. Why doesn't he look behind him? Drawing room A, car 207. Oh, Now grab those, will you, sir? He just puts his hand behind him. Yeah. Doesn't turn. He's the help. How rude. He's a stage manager. We don't need any sister act. What are we wasting time for? Well, I got a letter from Benny Haynes. They're his sisters. You remember Benny Haynes, the old mess sergeant? Freckle-faced uh, no. Haynes, the dog-faced boy? That's the kid. Yeah. He's got sisters? Claims he's got them. Yeah, he's pulling his... He's tucking his pants up there to his nipples. Very brave parent, Bob, will you do me one favor? So, Give me one reason, one good reason why we should spend our last two hours in Florida looking at the sisters of Freckle-Faced Haynes, the dog-faced boy. The dog-faced boy. Later, they show an image of Freckle-Faced Haynes, the dog-faced boy, and he's actually the grown-up version of one of the Little Rascals. He was Alfalfa. What year was the Little Rascals? So Little Rascals have a long history going back to silent film. Really? Mm-hmm. What was the stuff I was watching when I was a wee lad? 1994's movie version? Probably. I don't know. Why did Alfalfa have a hair sticking up? It's just an exaggeration of a cowlick. Silly. Alrighty. So 2045 is my next one, and it is one of my personal favorite scenes in this film. As a little background, my sister and I used to have a giant fake Christmas tree. There was a giant center pole that had different slots for putting branch inserts into. So my sister and I, during this scene, would take these branches that needed to be fanned out and we would pretend that they were the feather fans that the sisters are dancing with in the scene. And we would just like reenact the scene as the movie played behind us. Like, every year we would do that. That's weird. Did you know in Denmark, they still put live candles in their trees? Seems dangerous. There's also a tradition, and I forget, I I think it's Norway, where they also would put candles on, like, wreath hats. That just seems like hot wax would be falling upon you. Ladies and gentlemen, the Haynes sisters. I just love this look and... So I will say in this outfit, her waist doesn't look frightening. Like, it's still small, but it's not frightening looking. Not like after she changes and does her dance with Danny Kay. So I, does this movie qualify? I get, it, it must. It does qualify as a musical. Mm-hmm. That, that's how I, I coded it. Yeah, because they, I mean, at certain points throughout the movie, they sing in character. Mm-hmm. Like, as themselves, they're singing the scene. But that doesn't happen that often. More often than not, they're performing on stage, which is, you know, realistic. It's not like heightened realism like a musical is mm-hmm. where they're singing the scene. This is they're actually performing. So I, I th- that, how many times do they actually sing as their characters? They sing the snow song. But I mean, that that is they're kind of performing for themselves. That seems more like they're just having a good time in the in, in the, a trolley car, in a trolley car, annoying all the other passengers. There was no one else in the trolley car. There was the bartender. Yeah, but we did. But his feelings don't matter. And why is that, Allison? Why don't his feelings matter to you? They they do, but he didn't seem bothered. He just didn't say anything. He was being polite. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. 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 So it was the snow song, and then they sang with, uh, the late night. Yeah, I think the the only the oh. best things happen when you're dancing. That was technically happening off stage. Oh, so this was just, uh, I just wanted to bask in the awkwardness of Danny Kay for some, I don't know why. He seems like he, he <laughs> was. Face, sorry, you just hit play and his like face went from He looks horrified. To- <laughs> <laughs> no, but for some reason he was, I thought he was set up to be the smoother of the two of them. Like he's the ladies man, that sort of thing. Well, and he's, he's terribly awkward. No, he's not so much the ladies man, but he is kind of the manipulative brains behind the operation. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, he's he, he's supposed people to be good at manipulating people, including the ladies, into liking him. But he seems like he's really super awkward. Yeah, he's definitely awkward. I never got him as a playboy. At this point in the movie, I thought he would be because mm-hmm. that, that's just how he seemed. Like he was always trying to hook him up with the ladies and he seemed like he was having success with ladies and stuff like that. Oh, he not that he not that later. He, like he's like, no, I'm just trying to get him to relax so I can have freedom. Yeah. Families. Uh, I read an article just the other day about the citrus fruit and its effect on uh, the children's teeth. Uh-huh. <laughs> Are you interested in families or? <laughs> I love that that was the follow up to that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I read this article about citrus's effect on uh, children's teeth. Do you want a family? Well, how else are you going to segue? <laughs> it's like. <laughs> it just seems so flipping awkward. Things like that, Miss Haynes? Yes, I suppose so. Oh, next. Isn't that amazing? Imagine a girl Pushing. in show business today Pushing. wanting to settle down and raising a family. It's so refreshing, isn't it? Pushing, pushing. <laughs> would you like a uh, no, thank you. I, for one, would like a little free advice. Mr. Wallace, do you have any suggestions for the act? Oh, no, just, just keep plugging away, huh? Oh, but there must be something. Should we both be blondes? Look, lady, I said there was nothing. Just keep plugging away. <laughs> Should she maybe change the style a little more off the face? I mean, it's pretty off the face. <laughs> oh, no, I wouldn't change a thing. But would you care to dance? See, he's like breaking his voice like he's a kid. Ooh, her waist is so small. Terrifying. Like, look at all these other people. They're normal. Yeah. They look well together, don't they? Yes. See, I was sure surprised to get Benny's letter today. I didn't They're probably creeping up on yours. Yeah, it's just... Smooth and cool is what I kind of would describe this kind of tete-a-tete. Oh, I don't think so. Between the two of them? Yeah, they both seemed like they were awkwardly misunderstanding each other. Well, no, but they have this kind of cool attitude towards it. I don't know. I I didn't get cool about it. Like, they're both getting kind of hot. But they're scooting closer. That's a pretty cynical point of view. Oh, come, come now, Miss Haynes. Surely you knew that everybody got a little larceny operating in them, didn't you? <laughs> well, just for the record, I want you to know that my sister and I don't play angles. Well, if that letter wasn't an angle, I'd like to know what it was. I don't like your whole inference. I got no squawks, no beefs. The kid played a percentage. It worked, and we're here. The kid played a percentage? What kind of way is that to phrase that? <laughs> played the odds. What odds? That they would show up. That's such an awkward way of phrasing that. That seems like... Uh, I- he, they were trying to make him sound more like world wise or something than he actually street wise. <laughs> I don't know. Like he played the she played the odds and it worked. What? See, I I don't know. I I find the the way that they just kind of have the conversation flow. It's so quick and it seems very. I, I don't know. I always took it to be like you know cool sharp people having a conversation. Uh. See, they're getting along just fine and so quickly too. Isn't that nice? All I'm saying is, when you've been around show business as long as I have, you just get used to people working angles, that's all. Why is he slapping Mr. Her? Wallace, since the chance of our seeing each other again is extremely remote, I don't think it's important for us to go on arguing. Well, I'll drink to that. Be my guest. <laughs> I thought now that, they're in love. See, no, that was a, 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 an adult moment. They were like, eh, let's just put this aside. Doesn't I don't matter. mind if you don't. It's too bad we're leaving town tonight. My next is uh, 3359, which was when you first watched this, were you expecting drag in a 50s movie? Uh, I mean, it's not proper drag, but it's 
it's mostly drag. They just didn't have wigs. I mean, I guess they also didn't have like body shaping stuffings and stuff like that. They weren't in full dresses. So we we cut to a room with three weirdos (laughs) discussing things. Listen, Sheriff, I haven't got all night to wait here while you eat free food. So that's not the voice of a human being. You've got your warrant. Now arrest those girls. Now arrest those girls. It was very noncommittal what accent he was going for. Sometimes it sounds southern and sometimes it sounds kind of like um, German almost. Yeah, and I, I, I came to the conclusion he's not doing an accent. He's just kind of, he's a Muppet. He's doing kind of a weird sort <laughs> Hey, you guys. I'm... <laughs> They're so bird. I didn't agree. I I got some rights, too. You don't get those girls till after they've done their number. Where? And I think this guy has no idea how to act. Well, it'll only be... The guy in the black. Wait a minute. There's your music. Aren't your coffee holding up? (laughs) So what's funny is that... I don't remember that in the girls' performance. Like, they do the uh uh-huh part, but I don't remember that... I do like that the audience members seem to be enjoying their version better than the normal one. Yeah. I mean, there's a woman's stage show and this taboo hilarity. <laughs> I'm sorry. So part of this whole great interaction between the two of them, a lot of it has to do with the faces Danny K makes. And it's kind of like the, like, look how much fun he's having. <laughs> like he's just <laughs> prancing around, swatting, being Crosby with the fan. Yeah. No, yeah, I read that uh, uh, Danny Kay was the reason for most of the uh, the crack-ups on set. Yeah. Well, he's he's a comedian. Like, he's just so effortlessly funny, I think. So, yeah, when when you first saw this movie, were you expecting that? Expecting drag? Or, or that I wasn't scene not, in particular. I was, not a, I was not expecting no drag. I, I didn't go in with drag expectations one way or the other. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> well, uh, when it showed up, I mean, it didn't shock me. I don't uh, know. Well, no, I just... It was always funny to me. I always got a lot of laughs out of that. So 3824 is my next. And this is just like the best evidence of the old softies, Danny Kay and the sad puppy face. So when they get into the, the club car, they, they've been told there's no sleeper cars left and uh, how to get to the club car. Well, this is great. Just great. See, what you get to see the full guy. Oh, that's right. Okay, so I had noticed him when we first came in the room. We took a plane, we'd be sitting up all night. We're taking a plane, we're taking a train. A train on which we had tickets. Tickets for a drawing room with two nice, warm, soft, comfortable beds where at this very moment two block. <laughs> oh, boy. Look at that puppy face. <laughs> oh, no, you wouldn't do this to me. You wouldn't do this to old Bob. Wouldn't do what? After you dress me up like a dame. I almost lose my life trying to keep the After you dress me up like a dame. I just know on top of all that you, you wouldn't take away my nice, warm bed and let me spend the night out here in a drafty old club car. You wouldn't do this to old Bob, would you? Whatever are you talking about? <laughs> I'm going down there to drawing room A. I'm going to open up that door. And if I find those two Haynes sisters in there, I'm going to take them by the hair. And with these two hands, I am absolutely... I'm going to kill them. Look at her. I, I know. I know. It was really so sweet and generous of you. She looks like she should be six feet tall. Look at her ribs. Oh, my Christ. Oh, my crikey. Wasn't there something you wanted to say to the girls? Oh, yeah. I'm going to grab you by your hair. Won't you have a drink or a sandwich or something? So, again, apropos of nothing, but guess what movie I watched after this one finished? Santa Claus? A Knight's Tale. Oh. Miss Haynes, if you're ever under a falling building and somebody runs hey, up hang on. 
what? <laughs> what? What in this? It was recommended to me. So I was like, yeah, I haven't seen that in like a decade and a half. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was good. I liked it. Alan Tudyk. Come on. I love Alan Tudyk. Yeah. Oh. Had He's a, one he, of the celebrities I'm most sad that I have not been able to meet yet. Heath Ledger? I, oh, Heath Ledger. Robert, Robert Baratheon? He was the king in the beginning of Game of Thrones? Oh, yes. That, that was him. I, I also yep. know him best from uh, the Full Monty. Oh, that's nice. But Game of Thrones. So, <laughs> so there it is. Yeah, uh, and uh, who was the main lady who did not pass the Bechdel test or whatever that's called? The vegetable test. Well, anyway, yeah, it's a fun movie. Weird, though. It started out with the trumpets making electric guitar noises and ended as kind of an authentic medieval thing. Yeah, that, so, like, the things that I loved about A Knight's Tale, like, I really liked Chaucer. Yeah, he was hilarious. Yeah, and um, I really loved Heath Ledger and that storyline and Alan Tudyk and just the, his obsession with little pastries. But the, the costuming drove me crazy. Why is that? Just the, how inaccurate it was. What were oh well, I mean, her her outfits were terribly inaccurate. Oh yeah, that that's what I mean. Like everybody else's. Well, that I thought they were taking a stylized approach with her. Oh, because also her hair was wild. Yeah, like everyone there, like it was kind of they're like, how can we make the early two thousands fashion renaissanceable? Yeah, and it was weird because it looked like she had just stepped off of like a a Milan uh, fashion show or something like that. Yeah, it. She also had like color highlights, which. Would not have yeah. occurred. <laughs> well, obviously not. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they were totally being like heightened stylized with her just, and they were being heightened stylized with other things. Like I said, they were doing like electric guitar noises out of trumpets and stuff like that. It, yeah. And the dance scenes, like just there, there was a lot of stuff that I just like, it would have been a great story had they not went that stylized approach. So I didn't understand why they did. Uh, I was fine with it. I, th- I thought it was, I, I, my problem with it was that it was less than consistent with the stylization of things. I also didn't like the Jocelyn very much. Like it's just just that character. And no, she was. She told him that he needed to lose, which implied him getting like beaten hurt. up. Yeah. yeah, and she said so. It, it could prove that uh, his obedience to her rather than himself. Why does obedience have to be any part of this? And why does he have to prove himself by hurting himself to earn your affections? Yeah. Go jump off a cliff. So now I'm forgetting which movie it was, but there was, oh, it was Stardust. Uh, there's a scene in Stardust where um, one of the characters is like, okay, so you're doing all this to prove your love to this person. What are they doing to prove their love for you? Uh, she's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I, I think you'll find that if you're a pretty woman, that's all you have to do. Yeah, they it even, really sucks for me and the other uggos. Well, they even made the, the comment on that at the beginning of the movie with, where uh, she was talking to the, the holy man mm-hmm. who was uh, criticizing her because she was too beautiful and she had to work against that. And, and he was so sorry that she was cursed with a beautiful face. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, yes, I know. That is a beautiful ring. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so they, they drew attention to that, but didn't actually subvert that convention. Yeah. In the end, it was it's uh, it was, uh, so there was, was problems with the writing, mm-hmm. but overall, I thought it was an entertaining movie. Yeah, you know? no, it's I, I I enjoyed it. I will watch it again in my life. But um, I just she was the the problem I had with it. Although I did like when he was so infatuated that he rode a horse into a church. Sure. Well, and you know, I I will I'll also say, uh, condemning myself. I, I criticize her character top to bottom. I thought she was definitely the problem with that movie, but also she's really pretty. Oh, she's very pretty. So that that kind of fixes that problem. Just hit play. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to get a just a snatch of them singing Snow Song. 
Miss mm -hmm. Haynes, if you're ever under a falling building and somebody runs up and offers to pick you up and carry you to safety, don't think, don't pause, don't hesitate a moment. Just spit in his eye. What did that mean? means we're going to Vermont. Oh. Yeah, it kind of brings up a good point. If you owe a life debt to someone, like that that could control the rest of your life and is it better <laughs> Yeah. depending on the person. That's true, but at least Danny Kay's life debt uh control is somewhat uh benevolent. True. So one of the I don't know if this is copywritten or not. I'm going to assume it is, but I'm going to play it anyway cuz this is the worst song that humanity has ever produced. They rhyme snow with snow. And the chorus is snow. Usually the beginning of the line is snow. Snow where it's snowing. That's where I it's lazy be. rapping. Snowball throwing, that's what I'll do. How I'm longing to ski through the snow. Those glistening houses that seem to be built of snow. Snow. To see a mountain covered with a quilt of snow. All right, we get it. So, uh, <laughs> we get it. Snow. It's the worst song in the history of man. Uh, I don't know. Have you heard Who Let the Dogs Out? That is a much more sophisticated song than that. <laughs> sophisticated? Yes. That's the word choice. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a relatively sophisticated song if we're comparing it to all songs, like the best of songs. It's, it's very well down on the list of sophistication. Mm -hmm. It is, however, higher than this song. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Who let the dogs out? Who? 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 At least it's asking the hard questions. <laughs> who did let them out? Yeah. It is a problem. This place really needs is a dynamite. Uh, wait, you said yours was uh, an hour or something or other? Hour 1540. All right, so mine is 5023. Mm -hmm. So this one is the first dinner at the Inn in Vermont. Mm -hmm. All right. Beef broth. Now you're talking. If we could get something really big, something sock like... Uh, like Wallace and Davis. No, honey, you couldn't get them. They're too big. <laughs> Wait a minute, Wallace and Davis. <laughs> that Bob, we could do our old nightclub. So you said that, that that was him being uh, awkward. Yeah. I I say that's because uh, I, th I thought he was joking at first. I rewound and watched it again to see if he was kind of like winking with his face or something like that. No, that's just sexism. Like she suggests something and he just dismisses it, and then he's like, "Hey, I've got a good idea, Wallace and Gromit." Wallace and Gromit. Oh, I love Wallace and Gromit. No, it's, uh, I never took it to be kind of a sexist. Like, I just kind of took it as a, although he did call her honey. And they call him kids. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. Hey, go tell the kids. Yeah. And then later, the women folk. Yeah, so. It's it, definitely sexism. Yeah, well. You, you've got the rose-tinted, uh, can I take your rose-tinted spectacles off? Yeah. Because that's no, sexism. I, I just never paid attention. So this is not the first time where you've explained to me sexist male behavior. <laughs> I'm like mansplaining sexism to you. Yeah, this like, is great. You should be offended. <laughs> no, really. Yeah, be offended. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, seriously. Yeah, because there are like little things where like he'll put his hand on someone or. Yeah, he did that yeah, at, the, at the thing the, when he was trying to. Fighting. Yeah. She, she was getting hysterical, so he had to like oh. slap her arm and like come on yeah <laughs> tut tut <laughs> yeah so it's that 
Oh, and they're also talking about, so they're talking about getting the, the show to kind of, uh, they're, they're going to put on the show at the inn to raise funds. To, to increase people coming to the inn, yeah. Right. So what are they doing to advertise? Well, the, the name in itself is an advertisement. Where is the name being put out there? Uh, so they have, um, they're, they're going to broadcast it on the Ed Harris show. But they decide to do that later. And if they're not advertising, because they, they, they advertised for like three days, in three days, mm-hmm. which is too short a time for anybody to make vacation plans. We're going to have a bunch of people come here, mess up their inn, and then leave. And then what problem does that solve? So I think the the hope is that these people would also rent rooms, you know, because it's a late evening show. There's no, I guess, guarantee. But then they're also buying things at the end, like at the restaurant. And Wallace and Davis are footing the bill for a lot of this. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if that's the case, if they are, that's good. That's a one-time helping hand. Mm-hmm. But advertising for them would have been much more helpful, I think. They, they discover two problems. So the first problem that they're resolving right now is bringing the whole cast who would otherwise be off-season not working down there. But they're also injecting money into the theater for this one time. Let's, let's just have like one performer or, you know, one singer, one dancer, something that starts small and just spread it out over many weeks, schedule them out like that. And then advertise so that everybody reading the papers or watching the program knows that they can go to this inn, make plans to go visit Vermont and stay at this inn mm-hmm. in the future, rather than it has to be on this day. So they, they never say when the, the show is going to close specifically or recur. That's not something that they address. They, they don't talk about the full strategy. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, it, it doesn't seem obvious to me how this really His plan sense. did not jive with you. Long term. New York operator, huh? Okay, Mr. Wallace. This way. And this lady, I, I couldn't... Busy body. I couldn't decide whether to like her or not. that Rogers and Hammerstein look again. Is that bad? Not bad, but always... Because on, on one hand, she was funny. But on the other hand, she was a nut. She kind of reminds me of the Wicked Witch of the West. I know. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, Al, but you're working for crazy people. Now get this straight. I want the whole show up here in three days. Three yeah, days. the whole show, set costumes and all the cast you can round up. Hey, wait a minute. See, it was three, it was three days. Everybody gets an extra week's pay and you get a bonus, Al. What's this going to cost? We open Christmas Eve. The tab, how Open Christmas much? Eve. But they Al, don't say when they're closing. What's this, uh, this going to set us back? Oh. How, how much is wow? Well, okay, Al. Do the best you can. Good luck. Uh, how, how much is wow? We got a big job, Buster. A big job. Now, whatever acts we can't get, we fill in with the Haynes sisters. How much is wow? Right in between, uh, between ouch and boing. Wow. <laughs> is boing good? <laughs> no, I think boing is bad. Well, like, but what's ouch? Ouch is not. That's, that's not, bad too. Yeah. It's all bad. <laughs> I don't know. I think boing was on the good scale. Oh, no. I on thought the scale of bad, boing, boing was up like. I think, think ouch is like, you know, 50,000 and boing is just breaking the threshold of what oh, okay. plausible money is. I won't tell the general you do it your own way, but I think bringing your show up here is just one of the nicest things. <laughs> no. Like any decent, self-respecting housekeeper, I listened in on the other phone. I just don't know what to I like say. that she admitted that. Yeah. I like that she's giving them both open-mouth kisses. It. Yeah. Oh, it was a lovely thought. <laughs> I like that he's into it. Wow. <laughs> For a guy wow. that's not been into like getting together with ladies, like all of a sudden he was really into this. Uh, She's a powerful kisser. Yeah. Hurry up, kids! Check in the lobby for your room numbers. Kids was referring to any one part of the stage show. They're not specifically just the women's. Uh, so the one with the ladies and the schmucks. 
The choreography. Was that the one about choreography? Yeah, that the gray drab dress. Yeah, that was so like postmodern. Like it was like so, a comment on how art was meaningless or something. So uh, it it was more to do with the kind of new dance styles that were progressing at the time. The Bob Fosse and Martha Graham kind of dancing, uh, the the kind of breathing, more artistic dancing, and this kind of. The choreography scene is the one that my sister and I used to fast forward because we just thought it was just so weird. Uh, but yeah, it's super weird. <laughs> yeah. No, so like actually uncredited Fosse actually did help with the choreography of this movie. He's most known for doing that kind of expressionistic movement dancing that you'll see in films like Cabaret, which you and I will have to watch eventually. Right. Okay. So, I mean, just generally all this stuff right here. Like if this were on America's Got Talent, mm-hmm. I think it would be voted out and it would definitely be a no from me. <laughs> and see, he's not wearing his hat correctly again. Oh. And Satan arises. No, no, no. Mandy. Mandy. There's the minister handy. Now, this scene was scary to me because if you look at her legs, like, just... All sinew? Yeah. I mean, she's she's a dancer, so she has strong, you know... No, mus- it, 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 but, it... But hers don't look muscular. They just look thin. But this whole, this whole like, uh, red throne thing that she emerged from, mm-hmm. it looked very satanic to me. <laughs> And I like how the women are all dressed in, like, Christmas bows. Because they're presents. They're prizes to be won. <laughs> I think you're now channeling your uh, knight's tale. <laughs> yeah. No, she's not the she's not the target. She's the arrow. <laughs> and I, I was having... Sir Hunter. What does that mean? <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> she's not the target. She's the arrow. I guess uh, she's, she's sharp. Yep. Sharp like an axe or an arrow. <laughs> Just count your blessings. Oh, okay, so this is the Just Count Your Blessings song they're singing to each other in the uh, in the bar. Mm-hmm. Or the, the little... The little kitchenette. Yeah. It seems... Because the, this isn't super musically, this, mm-hmm. most of the time you're hearing and seeing the music, it, they're on stage performing. So when occasionally they do break out and sing as their characters, it almost seems like, especially these two, that they're so like emotionally damaged mm-hmm. that they can't stand talking to each other and, and actually admitting their feelings. Oh, man. They have to start singing about random things. That's like, the, just tell me what you think. Well, th- I, guess I've always been kind of I, I have a comment later that it, it feels almost like a Greek tragedy plot device, you know, because if they actually had stopped and talked, she would never have left and gone back to New York and been so upset with him. Yeah. Dramatic irony. We know. That is irony. On the back of his ear, there. Is that a microphone, maybe? That's definitely something taped back there. Actually, they might have taped up his skin to make him look younger. Oh, interesting. They do that. Actually, uh, in uh, Fellowship of the Ring, Bilbo, you see Ian Holmes, or Ian Holm, Mm -hmm. finding the ring for the first time. And he was. Facelift. Yeah, and they did that. They taped up his skin into the back. So that he looked a lot younger in the front. That just reminds me of um, Mrs. Doubtfire. I'm ready for my close up. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I just said, uh, this is the problem with eavesdropping. If the innkeeper had stayed and listened to more of the conversation or minded her own business, it would have prevented a lot of unnecessary pain and suffering for the other people, especially for Rosemary. And this comes right at the end of the, the song where they were wearing all the schmucks. Yeah, the, the drab gray look, the choreography song. Just a weird song. And what was up with his eyes? <laughs> so they, they were doing that kind of artistic, uh, so like a beatnik wearing the beret and the gray and the eyeliner. Oh, okay. Because so, when it first started the song, he was like squinting or something like that. 
and the eyeliner had gone out beyond his actual eyes and eyelids. Mm-hmm. So I, I wasn't sure if they were trying to... They were going for a dramatic look. It's just a weird performance piece there. Yeah. And very judgmental of modern devices. I know it's yeah. a long shot, but there's no other way to reach the men in a hurry. How's it sound? Huh? Oh, I love the idea of doing something for the old man. If it weren't for him, I wouldn't know how to peel a potato. <laughs> <laughs> look, why don't you go all out? Put the whole show on TV. I'll come up there myself. Bring the camera, the crew, the works. Thanks, Ed, but that's not the idea. It's a great idea. Put the show on the whole network right from Pine Tree. Play it up big. A real Christmas Eve show. All about how you're playing Santa Claus to the old man. You know, plenty of schmaltz, lots of heart. Schmaltz. Be worth over $100,000 in free advertising for you and Phil. Yeah, we'll put the old boy on himself. You know the forgotten man angle. Tear their hearts out. Here's the laundry, Emma. I'm sorry, Ed. Yeah, Sorry, so it's that, that's commercializing the on the old man's hard What luck. she was no doing, chance. the eavesdropping, like all I want to do is go on your show and make a little pitch. Yeah. Okay. So I guess she hung up because what's her face came around the corner with the the laundry. Yeah, and she didn't want to be caught eavesdropping. Yeah. Oh, was there a telegram for me? What? What? Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> an offer from the Carousel Club in New York. Anytime you and Judy are available. She keeps Which that in the middle of her shirt. <laughs> for amateurs. I use steam. Quite a pro. No, I'm thinking of turning in my uniform. Stick your nose in other people's business and eventually you find out things you wish you hadn't. Yeah. Anything specific? Did you know the boys are planning to put this whole show on television? Television? Right from here on Christmas Eve. I just heard Bob fix it with Ed Harrison. Oh, it's a big deal. Real schmaltz, I think they called it. They're even going to put the general on. I just can't believe it. So... It seems like everybody's agreed that that is a really uh, heartless thing to do, mm-hmm. but I don't. Why? Like, uh, I mean, it's. I guess you could be seen as you're using him. Yes. To make money. Well, that that. But you're also. But everyone's benefiting from it. Well, he doesn't want to be a public figure. He doesn't want to be this like big, sad, pathetic guy. Like it, it, it puts him in a limelight that he doesn't want and is not asking for. Right. Well, I guess, I mean, the, the general could also just say, well, I don't, I don't want to appear on it, but you can film it here, and that gives their, their in a lot of publicity. And But if they're losing that angle, then it's just a show. It, it's not about the yeah. general. And yeah, I mean, it, it's got it's got Bill Bing Crosby and Danny F and K. But what they're wanting to do is do something nice for him. They don't want this to be something profitable for them. Well, but it is nice for him. It it gets his in a lot of advertisement. So if I wanted to throw you a surprise party, say, mm-hmm. but if I ruined the surprise and made it something else, it loses why I was originally trying to do this. Well, I mean, they're still having the performers and, ev- and the sets and everything here, and they're putting on a gigantic, really cool, expensive show mm-hmm. in his inn for him, in his honor. He doesn't have to appear on it. For him to it was the the show is for him, dedicated to him, and it's benefiting his inn. That's that's a pretty great gift. Yeah, it's uh, but it's losing the heart of what this was supposed to be. It's I don't know. It's losing an element of that him being on the or him being on the show or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if he didn't want to, then he's just in the audience and it's still dedicated to him. But it was supposed to be a surprise to show that he is still loved and honored. And if they turn it into something else he's no long it's no longer what the show was supposed to be if they turned it into the wallace and davis christmas spectacular 
it's no longer just something for the army guys to celebrate the general who they want to know is not forgotten and his service is not forgotten. That now it's just an advertisement show pony. I, well, okay. I, I guess I just disagree. I, it doesn't seem like it would take much out of it. I mean, it's it's not a surprise anymore it, if they have to su- warn him about it. Well, if they have to warn him about it and it's not just bringing around his soldiers. These were the men that he was in charge of and slept beside and trained in war. I assumed that all, all of those guys would still be coming down. No. Uh, so that's what he was saying. He's like, I want these guys to come down. I don't want this filmed. It's a private thing for this guy. Well, yeah, but I thought the difference was either going to be it's filmed or it's not filmed. Not that if it's filmed, then the soldier, the ex-soldiers aren't coming down. And if it's not filmed, then they are. Well, I, I don't know if they would or wouldn't. But the, the point of this is not to make this televised show. It's to, to do this honoring ceremony for this general. And I get that. I just think that you can honor him while also t- televising the show so that it can advertise his in. By embarrassing him and making him not want to come. It, it's a pride thing. Like I, I, but, also, I, but, but also I'm saying that he can choose to not be on the show like i i know for instance if someone was to celebrate my grandfather he would not want it to be televised he would not want it like he it it would be more meaningful if it was a private thing for him but they could also televise the show and then stop televising when he was invited up on the stage and stuff like that. I don't know. It, it just seems like there could you could easily advertise and help his in and, and, and not televise the personal stuff. Just televise the show. Yeah, I, I think it, it loses the character. Just turn the, the camera off when it's, when it's not the show and it's a, it's a personal thing for him. Like in a real world, yeah, that's more practical, but this is also the movie. <laughs> I mean, it's, we just have different ideas about that. That's fine. Yeah. I, I, I love that he's both the schemer and oblivious. <laughs> yeah, he does not cotton on for quite some time. No. And this is also another example of kind of scary thin waist. Yeah. Love, all right, but she's deliberately putting up barriers. I bet my bottom dollar on it. Why? Because of me. She's always felt that she's mother hen and I'm her little chick. She'll never leave the roost until I'm taken care of. That's funny. Are you sure? Oh, I should have known. She'll never get involved with anyone until I'm married or or engaged or something. Well, I guess that's the end of that. Unless I get myself engaged or, or something real fast. Well, that's ridiculous. Even if it made any sense at all, you're up here in the wilderness. There's nobody around here. It is kind of crazy, though, that, that she's just kind of jumping to marriage. Yeah, let's get married so that she'll well, loosen up a bit. Well, yeah, in her mind, oh, it's all about me. She, she won't do anything unless I'm okay. Yeah. I mean, a mature man, you know, one with talent and experience. Talent, experience. One that's witty, witty, gay, gay, charming, charming, attractive. Oh, sure. Where are you going to find such a superman? Don't be so modest. So modest. (laughs) Honey, fellas like that don't... She sounded like Eartha Kitt there. (laughs) Me? Why does he seem so scared? But you're awfully available. Yeah, now, don't get any ideas, Judy. I'm not the marrying kind. Oh, it's just an engagement. Yeah, well, I'm not the engaging kind either. are you? Well, I'm uh, more the I don't mind pushing my best friend. I wonder if he's got a rape whistle. When I get anywhere close to it myself, in kind. (laughs) How terrible could it be for a few days? You do like me, don't you? Uh, Sure, I do. I mean, I'm I'm not exactly. He's he's dubbed right here. Of course not. Watch his mouth. And you do find me gay, amusing, good company, fun to be with. But I feel the same way about my cocker spaniel. (laughs) The the his voice was dubbed there. It was different than his mouth. I was only thinking of 
Betty and Bob. Betty and Bob, yeah. Look, it, uh, it'd only be temporary, huh? Well, of course. Well, you don't think I'm the kind of girl that goes around throwing myself at a man, do you? Well, you just did Nobody it. Think that. <laughs> Well, look, let, let me figure this out now. It, it would only I do like her skirt, though. Yeah. If I were a lady woman, that's the sort of thing I'd wear. You would shop a lot at a shop called Unique and, uh, Vintage, I suppose. announce our engagement until it was absolutely necessary? Absolutely necessary. But she's so well, into the idea. She doesn't look like she's doing it for strategic reasons. She looks like she's actually into the idea. She's a schemer, too. Yeah, but look, she's, she's into the idea. Like, look at her hand. That's risky for a 50s film. Absolutely necessary. <laughs> and re into the most obnoxious woman. <laughs> <laughs> this was mine. Uh, Mr. Herring, this uh, Miss Lennis. All right, so we've got a guy walking up who looks like Richard Nixon's cousin. <laughs> Mutual, I'm, I'm sure. Mutual, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why I don't think she was saying that cattily before. Uh, you think that's just her catchphrase? Yeah, she just doesn't know what she's saying. Why do you keep using that word? I do not think it means what you think it means. But look at her face there. She's about to walk off with about the ugliest man in the state. Mm-hmm. And she is looking soppily into his eyes. Yeah, look at her teeth, though. Like, how much teeth bleaching do you think she... I don't know. I don't know, but... She just looks way too happy to be dancing with this fool. Well, what I'm trying to say is that Judy and I are engaged. <laughs> Little Bing looked happy for him. Yeah, he's a good friend. She's <laughs> <laughs> and then she walks over to Nick Nixon again. <laughs> come on, Nixon! Oh, come on, Nixon! Mutual. <laughs> Let's go to the bedroom mutually. I'm sure <laughs> you can have a little bit of a kiss my foot and have an apple. <laughs> <laughs> I'll even give you a whole apple. <laughs> what does uh, that mean? I'll show you mutually. I'm sure, <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> Don't stop speaking always. <laughs> just, just <laughs> have you ever heard of a trophy? Be a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> My comment here is just what happens is Betty goes to work at what's called the Carousel Club. Now, one thing I'm going to say about the Carousel Club if our clubs today or it's kind of coolly themed and classy like this place seems to be, I think I may be more into the idea of going to clubs, obviously, not during a pandemic, but. Just like, you know, there's all these really elegant looking carousel horses everywhere. The The paint is very themed. Like it, it just is themed to the nines. And I just think that's kind of impressive. Well, I, 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 I have never been to a club before. Any kind of club, modern or you otherwise. You went to Hippo? Is that a club or a bar? That is a club, technically. Well, the, it connects to the club area, but I never went to the club area. So, I stayed in the in the uh, ukulele section or the what do you call it? Hey, little boy. Karaoke. Karaoke. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I I thought you had gone. So karaoke was done on the club side and on the bar side. So I thought you had been to both. I've only been on the bar side. And then we went to that one club in Annapolis where you and I were miserable. <laughs> the one in Annapolis. Oh, oh, yeah. Why were we miserable though? Was it because cold? Because that's not our scene. Well, that. <laughs> But I, it was about to start snowing also. Yeah, it was pretty cold. It was really crowded and you couldn't hear anything. And you and I are not like, you know, club dancing type kids. So you no. and I were just kind of awkward in the corner like, so 
I want to go home. That's where the games are. <laughs> I remember singing in the streets because I actually had had a few drinks that night. That, yeah. And we were walking back to the car and I was singing loud. Yeah, and we were all kind of scared because it, it was slushy roads. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, in the hippo. In, in the hippo, not in, not in the club hippo. We were actually inside a hippopotamus. Yeah, and I was Ace Ventura, my way out of the anus. <laughs> it's, it's the birthing. It's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Did you know my little brothers, uh, one of which actually listens to the podcast, mm-hmm. have not seen Ace Ventura? Perhaps they would like to be a guest. And watch East Ventura with us. Oh, my. Actually, Robbie does want to be on here, so perhaps we will. That that might be a good episode is the East Ventura. It'll be nothing but laughs. Yes. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. We should definitely do that. Anyway, uh, but uh, I was in the hippo, mm-hmm. and I had a fellow sitting Sorry, next. Sorry, again, my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I had a fellow sitting next to me, and I don't remember where the, the lady I was with, where she had gone, mm-hmm. and a fella started trying to court me. And he, I was just chatting with him for a while. And at a certain point, and you're like, oh, and not he, interested. <laughs> and I, I don't remember how, like, I guess he asked me if I had a boyfriend or something. I was like, oh, I have a, a lady friend. And he's like, you have a lady friend? And I was like, yeah, she's over there. And he's like, but you're gay. And I'm like, <laughs> and I was like, I, I'm not. Yeah. I've got a lady friend. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, but no, you're, you're gay. And I was like, I'm. Thank you, but no. <laughs> I, like, I like their insistence. <laughs> he was really convinced that I was probably lying to myself or something, or lying to him. Well, I, I will say that um, maybe they found it progressive that you were at that bar. Uh, I guess. But, but that doesn't make me a gay man. No, just like it didn't make me a gay man for being there. True. Well, <laughs> no, I guess not. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I will say that I, I had some very interesting interactions at at hippo and central in baltimore just with different people i um i remember once when you were doing karaoke though a girl got up on stage and was like practically your fangirl like she was dancing for mm-hmm. you she was writhing all around in front of me yeah and i, I was have photographs of that i was saying that's right yeah the, i've seen them pop up in my memories on facebook but uh i was singing a weird owl song to, yep. the, to the wrong backing track. <laughs> they had given me the wrong song, like backing track to sing on. So I was yeah. totally like offbeat and I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. But I did my best. You did good. It, it was, I think I signed you up for that song too, because it was the Star Wars mm-hmm. making fun of. A long, Weirdo. long time ago. My, my, Miss American Pie. In a galaxy far away, Naboo was under an attack. And I thought me and Qui-Gon could talk the Federation into maybe cutting them a little slack. The response, it didn't thrill us. They locked the doors and tried to kill us. We escaped from that mess. And met Jar Jar -Jar and Boss Nass. (laughs) We took a bongo from the scene. We went to Theed to see the Queen. We all end up on Tatooine. That's where we saw or met this boy. This boy. And he like opens up his wallet and shows a picture. Uh, Man, I stuff. forgot I knew those lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I haven't listened to that song in years. Uh, anyway. So anyway, so yeah, the Carousel Club, like it just, it looks like. Oh God, is that how we got on that tangent? Yeah, because <laughs> we went to clubs. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, it just, it, in the scene, like, we're looking around at this club, and it just, it has these beautiful horses everywhere with these big feathers, and 
every um, cigarette girl and waitress <laughs> has this really kind of cute carousel looking outfit. Just like it just. I don't know. I if if establishments were this classy and more about like the conversation and drinking and seeing the stage, yeah. I think I'd dig it more than just yeah. like the club thumping yeah. stuff. I agree with that. What's a speakeasy? Is is this a speakeasy? I thought a speakeasy like had like one of those like trick doors that you had to. I think yeah, I think that's how it kind of started. But I think it was supposed to be like this. It was supposed to be quote unquote a club, but it was mainly for sitting down, smoking, and being sophisticated, listening to jazz in an era where jazz was not allowed. Mm. Yeah. At least that's how it is in my mind. I don't know how it actually was. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I I think that that's probably accurate. It's more about the ambiance and the environment and yeah drinking when it's illegal to do so mm-hmm. and i will oh. warn you i might cry here oh boy um, prepare yourselves yeah just because have it, you cried it, on the podcast yet yes because dumbo <laughs> we were talking about it oh did you cry during that conversation yeah you, you made fun of me you're like oh here she goes <laughs> <laughs> so the general is being escorted by his daughter down the stairs they had made sure that he didn't have a tuxedo so he would appear in uniform she says, oh, grandfather. Oh, grandpapa. I will say that I love the outfits that even the granddaughter wore. Like, it just everyone is so elegant. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I think people need to go back to old school outfits. Americans always overdressing for the wrong occasion. For the wrong occasion. <laughs> <laughs> you Americans. So he's entering the room and he's seeing soldiers and... A cake um, that represented his um, eyebrows. The cake that represented his eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> his eyebrows his, need celebration. His his, uh, his troops. And he hasn't fully seen everyone, but he sees some people dressed and they're standing and applauding him, honoring him. One fifty one division. So does it not look like they stole some of the set from the beginning of the movie to be used in an in-world set? I think that's what they did, yeah. That's that's weird because <laughs> it was supposed to be real in the beginning of the movie and now yeah. it's... Clearly not. It's, yeah. <laughs> so I will say that like my dad would leave the, the room during this scene and I, I now think that it had to do with kind of the emotions that came with that for him because my dad was also in the army for many years, um, mm. he retired army lieutenant colonel, and um, my mom was in the army. So I think this scene just kind of spoke on an emotional level to to them. And so whenever my dad left the room, I never understood it. Except now, looking back as an adult, I'm like, he probably didn't want to show emotions to to the scene, as a, a res- any respectable man shouldn't do. All right, so now he's walking through his troops. Here, they're all lined up. I am not satisfied with the conduct of this division. Some of you men are under the impression having been at Anzio entitles you not to wear neckties. Well, you're wrong. Neckties will be worn in this area. And look at the rest of your appearance. You're a disgrace to the outfit. Is anybody not wearing a necktie? It looks like everybody is. I think he was just going through his orders. That's my dad. (laughs) (laughs) It's very formal back then. Yeah. This is my mom, my uncle, and my dad all together when they were in the army. Because my mom and dad actually met when they were stationed abroad together. 
and they got married um, about... Who's, who's this one? That's my uncle. This is your uncle? Mm-hmm. So my mom and dad actually got married three or four days after they met because my mom was being restationed, and it was either get married or never see each other again. So they eloped. Very Holy fast. Moses, three days? Mm-hmm. And they're still together. Do they like each other? Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's really yeah. lucky. Yeah. That's super lucky. Yeah. That's my mom when That's you said she should not be uh, doing all those things while <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> it's a good picture of her. Yeah. But uh, way irresponsible. <laughs> I'll be sure to tell <laughs> And uh, this is my grandpa Fletcher who just passed recently. This is an older picture. I, I'm, I'll put some of these in the community face place. Is, is that Rocky? That's Rocky. Yeah. Was he a fearsome man in his old age? So... Due to piloting, they didn't have as much ear protection. I knew that's where you're going, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he shouted. Well, he was deaf. He had hearing aids. Yeah. And so I speak at a registry that is apparently difficult for people with hearing aids because it's higher pitch. What? It causes like a reverb or something the way I, I speak. Yeah. pretending I couldn't hear you. Oh, okay. I couldn't tell what you were doing. I thought you, <laughs> I thought you were confused about what I was saying. So, uh, you know, when I was very young, you know, as I don't know if you've met a lot of four-year-old girls or young girls, but some of my cousins, yeah, they, they can speak very quickly and high pitched and just excitedly. Mm-hmm. And so I, I laugh about it now. I, I think it was causing him ear pain because <laughs> of that. Well, was that? so he would just be talking to me. He would stick his fingers in his ear and turn off the hearing aids and just like, uh-huh. Sure. Why yeah. not? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You were abusing him. Well, I didn't know. So that that was all I had was just kind of... This scene always makes me emotional because now I associate it with Rocky. Yeah. All right. So General's walking back from inspecting his men. He's giving everyone little handshakes. He's about to blow out his candles. Someone blows through spittle. My dad used to wake my sister and I up with a bugle reveille to help do chores. <laughs> We didn't appreciate it. Oh, yeah. He would get, because we had an intercom at our house. So he would get on the intercom with the view. We'll be like, garage time. (laughs) (laughs) Katie and I knew that that meant it was going to be a terrible thing. Yep. I know what that's like. Not, not the bugle. That's crazy. But uh, I was every weekend, I would be awoken at an ungodly hour for someone. I didn't know that I had insomnia until years after I had solved the problem. Mm -hmm. But I look back and like all throughout middle school and high school and college, I I never looked at clocks, but I I am sure that I didn't go to sleep until like four in the morning yeah. every night. And then I would get up at like six or seven and I would be completely exhausted and never know why. <laughs> I just kind of assumed that if you slept at all, you'd be fine. It's not the amount of sleep, surely. <laughs> it's just the fact that you went to sleep and then woke up yeah. meant you would be okay. Yeah. So for years and years of my life, I slept completely poorly. Anyway, so I'd get up and they would force me to chop trees down and men stuff. Do yeah, mowing lawn and. So I, they never trusted me with lawn equipment. So I still don't know how to mow a lawn. Well, that's why I want to get a house. That's I, I'm just going to tarmac the grass because <laughs> I don't want to do outside chores. That's yeah. just not my. Although I kind of do like gardening. There is a Zen thing about gardening, but I just never think about it. So it always gets out of control, and so I just want to tarmac it. Yeah, I don't I don't care for it. Like I, I would like to do like there's a lot of pretty things you can do with like patios and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, when Mark and I start looking for our, our next home, I'm, I'm sure a small yard is preferable for us for our needs. So I'm thinking about doing another home style situation. 
but I'm going to keep this and I'll just rent it out to either Josh or somebody else. I th- but I think Josh said he would, he'd, whenever I choose to move out, he'll rent the whole place from me. So I don't know. I've been thinking about getting a house, but where should I move? Well, I'd prefer you to stay local for selfish reasons like this podcast. All right then. <laughs> but where but, within. So you, you have a unique work situation. So usually I would determine where I would move to based on work. Um, or also school zones. You want to stay in a nice school zone should you ever choose to... Have children mm-hmm. reproduce. Procreate. Um, yeah, so I work from home so I can kind of be anywhere. But if in the future I do choose to have another type of job that's not remote, I'd probably want to be near civilization. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it really just depends on what industry, what area. So like if you were going to want to work in D.C., I would say maybe somewhere closer to like Bethesda. But if you wanted to work in Baltimore, obviously, I would say somewhat local. You know, there there's some really nice places in Canton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So it really just depends. What are you interested in? I kind of want to get a detached home. I've never lived in an, a detached home in my adult life. Mm-hmm. I've always lived in a, an apartment or a townhouse row home. That sort of thing. So I, I I'd, I'd kind of like to get a, a little suburb house. That's what Mark and I want to. Yeah, a little suburb house. Maybe that'll attract a lady. They'll be like, wow, he's got a suburb house. He he wants this progression of life things. Exactly. So what I'll Maybe do, I'll trap them in my backyard. I'll fence in my backyard, and if a lady wanders in, I'll trap them. I, I don't think... What I was mean, the name of that movie? Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Seven Bridges. Seven Bridges. You're like, <laughs> what a weird title. I was That's like... very strange. <laughs> not what the title is <laughs> um yeah so it's not uh, what the title is <laughs> if, if we've learned anything from 1954 year movies then you uh, kidnap people and then they fall in love with you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it worked for mark i mean i i, I you kidnapped him no, or he kidnapped you he kidnapped me okay <laughs> well. i mean i think you'll notice when i started dating mark i suddenly became a lot less available uh for the first yeah definitely the first few months you were absorbed in his uh, uh, thrall, dungeon. like he's a vampire, <laughs> or that, yes. <laughs> I was his Renfield. <laughs> uh, okay, so anyway, I wanted to mention that the the general sucks at blowing out candles. Took yeah. him three tries. Yeah, well, it's also not a birthday cake. I don't care. His wishes aren't going to come true. It doesn't matter what kind of cake it is. You get wishes and you fail if you have to try more than once. And he had to do it three times. Have you seen the video of the dad blocking the kid from blowing out the candles by holding up a paper plate and like <laughs> him throwing a temper tantrum? No. It's very funny. I'll show you after we're done recording. That sounds like a good man. <laughs> but I do kind of wish that I could go back to 1954. For the style. For the style. And I want to show them like war movies from now. Like I w- I'd like to show them 1917. Because a lot of these songs and scenes seem to be very kind of propaganda for the army. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to join the army, you get free meals and free entertainment, and you never die, and stuff like this. Well, remember, they're coming off of World War II, yeah. which was a hero's war. Like, it, there's definitely grime to the war, but it was not the visual war that Vietnam would become. Well, it was that way for us. Yeah. For the English, it was quite bad. Yeah. Well, I mean... 
For the Russians, it was quite bad. For, for Germans, to, like, for everyone. Well, yeah, yeah. The, the Germans did start it, but yes, it was pretty bad for them, too. Yeah, well, no, I'm just saying, like, um, the, the visual aspects of the war were something that were not seen in the U.S. It was also pretty bad for the Japanese. Japan, yeah. <laughs> ja- Japan, China. Yeah. Yeah, Russia. It was kind of bad for everybody. That's kind of my point. It was it was, it was a bloody a war. war. Yeah. It was a, it was a bloody war, and that's why I wish I could go back and show people from the time real kind of war movies to realistically show how horrific things were. Mm-hmm. And just selfishly, I'd be kind of interested. I feel like they wouldn't be able to finish the movies. They would consider them too horrific. Or realistic. Yeah, especially at Saving Private Ryan, the beach scene. Mhm. Yeah. I, I, I guarantee that it would cause a national uproar. People would say that this movie was satanic and it was it's too horrific to be viewed. Or like Cannibal Holocaust where they like produce the actors. We don't believe they're still alive. Right, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that's all I have for the movie. Did you have anything else? Nope. So uh, we're getting into the rose-tinted feels, act four of our podcast. Indeed we are. So, Allison. Yes. Was this movie as good... As you remember, it was a seven. Was it as good as you remember? I think it was. So this is a movie that I will watch every year. So it's kind of like murder. I'm trying to prevent. All right, right. Okay, I just got stabbed in the arm. (laughs) So sorry. (laughs) So, uh, yes, it was as good as I remember. Um, I I will say that this is something that I watch every year uh, while I'm setting up my Christmas tree. So even if I'm not specifically paying close attention to it, I still have it playing every year. Um, Uh One thing I will say. Do you sing along? To some of the songs, yeah, especially Sister, Sister part. Okay, so Sister is your favorite song? Yeah. Okay. Of the whole thing. So, um, what's your least favorite song? Choreography. <laughs> okay. So I will say that you know this time I was a little more critical because I was specifically watching it and paying really close attention to everything that was occurring. Um, so I was a little more critical and I was a little more paranoid about um, social problems. Mm-hmm. Although it's funny, I. I've been having trouble picking up blatant sexism that you seem to point out every time. <laughs> I'm a bad feminist. Uh, <laughs> well, but we're also watching movies that you watched as a kid and you would not have picked up on as a kid. But you, so when I'm you can, looking for yeah, when you continue to watch it over and over again, especially since you watch every year, it's like watching someone gain or lose weight. If you live with them, you don't notice it. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And so uh, I, I will say that watching the choreography scene, I was less bothered by it than obviously when I was a kid. Yeah. Like it still seemed weird and out of place. It definitely, that was the weirdest song for me. Yeah. Or the weirdest performance anyway. But so, um, yeah. 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 All right. Well, uh, did your perspective, uh, bringing up these social things, you were being more, pointing more of a critical eye toward did your perspective on any of these things change? I, I will say I was a little more uh, harshly critical on characters like Betty um, for their decision-making skills. Which one was Betty? Betty is uh, Clooney, Rosemary oh. Clooney. Okay. Um, so and that was not anorexic. No, that's um, Vera. Gotcha. Um, I don't know any of the character names. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Betty uh, Clooney, uh, she just like, instead of just sitting and talking to Bing about what she thought was going on she's just like i hate you and left like you know i was a little more critical about that kind of rush to judgment yeah she was very judgy and you know vera even indicated earlier in the film that she's very quick to shut down or shut off and so yeah she said that she she wants the white knight to be perfect and to be totally inerrant 
And, you know, we, I think we all make those kind of judgment calls with people sometimes. But, yeah, she just, like, was so quick to believe he was awful. Yeah. Well, now. 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 In the year 2020. Yes. Has this contributed anything to cinema? Now, keep in mind, people are listening. So, I would say that, <laughs> yes, uh, because it's the first film to use Beast of Vision. So, in that way, they, they used a new film lane technique to improve things so it was heralded as you know very renowned because of the use of the vista vision mm-hmm. um me not 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 understanding the technology like i even read about it it was described apparently it was groundbreaking at the time that's the only reason i would say it contributed something to cinema otherwise i would say that like you know holiday inn was more groundbreaking for this sort of kind of musical composition film that part's fair. Now, the part about the Vista Vision, I would say... This is going to turn into like the technology used in Indiana Jones where I didn't understand it, but well, knew it was new. No, no. I mean, if, if, if it was new and it was a new type of like higher quality visuals, then that's cool. But was it made for the movie or did the movie merely adopt the technology? So this movie was the first one to be filmed with this technology. But were the people making that technology doing it for this movie, or were they just were, was that company what really contributed to cinema, and not the movie? So this movie merely was the first one to adopt it. It was but, the conduit of using the technology. So I guess that technology is its own thing versus this film particular. Like it was the first one to showcase it, but it wasn't. They didn't make the technology for this movie. It's right. not like the, the movie demanded that technology. Right. They it's just happened like to use it. Technicolor where they use that on certain films and not other films. Well, it was it was like the steady cam for the shining. Mm-hmm. They made that technology for the shining. They needed to walk down the hallway and follow the kid on his tricycle and it was jittering around too much. They made that technology for the movie to solve a problem. That was contributing to cinema. Mm-hmm. But this seems like some company just did that and this was just the first movie to do it, to use it. Yes. So I would say it does not contribute to cinema merely for using a new technology. I guess you got to earn points for adopting new technology. So maybe, but were, did other movies this year also? I, I only seems saw like that you, you read up more on it than I did. I read that this was the first. I didn't look at subsequent films to use it. So I can look that up real quick. You're saying that uh, holiday Inn would have been the groundbreaking one for a musical movie. Specifically for Irving Berlin kind of holiday themed musicals so the the holiday musicals are i think their own kind of genre so uh vista vision films star wars star trek the motion picture empire strikes back caveman the fox and the hound i did not know that the star wars movies were using it i guess by that point it had become uh blase tron star trek 2 the wrath of khan return of the jedi getting earlier over here so 54 was white christmas Mm -hmm. and then in 54 also Three Ring Circus. So two two movies did it the same year. Mm-hmm. So I guess, I mean, they kind of share credit for promoting a better technology. I guess. I, I Yes, sure. I will agree that they contributed to cinema by being the early adopter. One of two early adopters this year for using this uh, new filming technology. And it looks like it was even used in Interstellar specifically for special effects <laughs> processing. That's weird. Okay, so it seems like they, they must have pivoted to, to even newer technologies in digital film mm-hmm. or digital cinema. 
That's really interesting. So I'm sure the Vista Vision logo has popped up on many movies that I've seen and I just haven't paid attention to it. But it's really interesting to see how much of a long lineage it's had in Hollywood. So, I'll, yeah, I'll give that to, to White Christmas, that they the earliest of adopters <laughs> of a technology that's still being, or, you know, a company that's still churning out high-quality filming equipment. So this was a technology that we don't fully understand, but we're trying to deliver. Early adopting. Yep. Gotta love it. All right. So uh, would do you think anything in this movie? We were talked about how problematic Holiday Inn was. Mm-hmm. This shared a set with Holiday Inn. Does that make it as problematic? Of course it does. But... <laughs> I mean, if, if we were to remake this in modern times, obviously there would need to be diversity added to the cast more than just one person of color who is just a bartender and a trolley car. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Make it much more representative of the real world. Exactly. And also I would say, like, like you said, they could make the war scenes a little more dynamic and a little more truthful because I think that adds a powerful element. Like if you added honesty to the war, it would make the colonel more of an endearing character because we would really understand that kind of brotherhood or sisterhood or familial aspect of war. I thought as far as the if the, the war scenes in the beginning with the bombings and everything, I thought were actually fairly convincing. I mean, obviously I'm forgiving it for looking as old as it does, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I thought it was, it was pretty well delivered given the fact that they were clearly on a really set like set. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But the, yeah, the wall falling down didn't look so dangerous, so I guess they could have made that a little bit more. Or the wound that he received in his arm could have been more of a thing. It, yeah, it, you could have understood more how that happened. Yeah. But yeah, no, yeah, I, I agree. If they more authentic with the war, you're more sympathetic to the characters. and It, it yeah. adds a certain element. Yes, a certain, I don't know what. Je ne sais quoi. I don't know what that means. <laughs> All right, so do you have anything more to say in this area? No, no, I, I think that is a good summation of my, my feelings. We're ready for the, okay, God, I don't remember. We're ready, for, we're ready for Act 5, the Rose Award Ceremony. <laughs> hey, look at you. All right, all right, people, okay. Okay, that's enough, that's enough. Thank you, quiet down. I feel like oh, God, they've started again. God <laughs> damn it. People, people, it's not that big a deal. We do this every episode. Quiet I feel like you deserve your own personal on for getting the right button. Thank you. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Uh, All right. So the Rose Award ceremony. Now, who does your Rose Award go to? Danny Kaye. My argument for this is that without him, there would be no movie. Bing would have died in occupied Germany. Mm. Yes, that's true. <laughs> and he won't let you forget it. <laughs> <laughs> he won't let you forget that fact. Okay, I don't know. I I had I didn't give any awards. I didn't write down any awards because I I don't know because I don't think anything really was helped in the end. Mm. Well, I will say that something did hurt in the end. The arm. Well, the the arm. But uh, so my thorn actually went to the busybody house lady. It was her bad information and incomplete facts that caused a lot of rifts and burns within the the core group. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So I'll give my my Thorn Award to Lady, but my Rose I'll give to. He's suffering, or he's constipated. <laughs> I guess it goes to. Bing, because he put the musical together. Okay. 
It was his notoriety that made Wallace and Harris a thing. Yeah, so I'll give Wallace it, and Davis Harris. Who's Harris? <laughs> Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll give it. To, I'll give. I'll give my rose to Bing because he put it together. It didn't actually solve any problem in the end. But what are you gonna do? Uh, Thorn, yeah, I'll definitely give it to Lady Wife, who was always who always had her little handkerchief. Housefrau. Housefrau. <laughs> uh, she had her little handkerchief all the time, always dabbing herself. She was just constantly emotional about something. Dabbing. She was always dabbing. She, Sorry, Allison just did a. Yeah, I was doing the the pretending dab. she was a young person, and young people don't even do that anymore. Yeah, I don't even know what it is. It's like, that. No, no, but where did it come from? Why do they do it? I don't know. It was probably some YouTuber twitch personality who did that and everyone started to mimic it and it became a big old thing <laughs> so one time i was cosplaying as wonder woman and i had someone come up and ask me to do a dab and i was hesitant to do it i was like is there any sort of racial implication of what i'm doing <laughs> 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 i guess i didn't know what it was it was when dabbing was new <laughs> yes only native americans can do it well, no, it, like I, I thought, like, what if this is like, you know, some sort of Heil thing? And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be on camera. <laughs> what like, if, yeah, the social media was taken over by a new age Heil? Yeah, like I, I, I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know who was doing it, what group, and so it's like. So you abstained. I yeah, I was like. Or did you do it? I, I, I was like, can I have more information about what the implication of this is? Like, what does this I'm not mean? Heiling, am I? Yeah, well. I don't want to be a hiler. <laughs> you don't want to be a hiler? All right. Who'd you give your love award to? If Andy Kay, all day, every day. Andy Kay, love award. He, I, he was the most lovable character. Like, I feel like he was endearing. He was a little bit of a fool, but a little bit charming. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yep. All right. Okay. I uh, would smooch him on his little forehead and be like, go do good things, Danny Kay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll give my love award to Danny Kay. <laughs> I'll go along with that. Hate award? Mutual. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, you're, you're just convincing me. I'm just <laughs> siding with you this whole time. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I agree with that. She was just... Mutual, I'm sure. <laughs> Have an apple. If you're going to create your own, like, phrases, like, just <laughs> be clear what you're trying to get at, lady. <laughs> she was really funny, though. I'm, actually, I feel like I should give her my love award. <laughs> you love to hate her. <laughs> I don't know. All right. So ratings. Musical? I would say. Musical genre? Or you said that a holiday musical is slightly different. So holiday musical. So yeah, I, I gave it um, kind of a three for category. Musical, feel good, holiday. So I'm struggling with this because I can't think of another musical, hol holiday musical that might be better. Mm -hmm. But my gut instinct was to give this a two. Wow. You hated it. I didn't like this movie. Aww. That's so. This is probably one of the best ways uh, for us to describe a rose tinted feel because all of my feelings in this are based on my history and experiences with it. So this, yeah, yeah. It, but I would argue that it is still a essential film to watch. Sure. I mean, I'm happy that I've seen it. It's a good reference point to have. Mm -hmm. But okay, so I, I wrote down some cons and just more generally. The, the two was not so much that it was a bad musical. It was a bad musical movie or anything like that. It was, I guess, just that it's old. I didn't like the music. And if you didn't like the music, then yeah, you would suffer through this. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like the music. I didn't like the dancing. <laughs> you had no nostalgia affliction to anything here. <laughs> like, yeah. 
So I don't know. And, and also I, I wrote down what, one of my cons was that it wasn't much of a musical since most of the music happened in world. They were actually performing on a stage. So there was a lot of singing and dancing, but it wasn't actually musical music. So kind of like Moulin Rouge. Yeah, or it's it's not like a Disney movie where they're singing their their characters' emotions. You can't just say how you feel. That makes me feel angry. <laughs> um, it, it was, it's uh, it's more they're actually performers in the movie, so they're performing. So you had trouble <clears throat> passing through this dated aspect of the film. Well, and and that that was also a big part of it. It it felt all the music felt very. I wouldn't listen to this music if it mm-hmm. if it were on the radio. I I would. Pass it by. You also don't tune to musical uh, Christmas music stations either. Um, yeah, I've 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 been trying to find what feels Christmassy to me if I'm listening to music. So I will say, like, one of my favorite Christmas musical films is actually The Muppet Christmas Carol, and that has some great Christmas kind of tunes to it. I don't know that I've seen that all the way through. I know that I've seen bits of it, but it has. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. <laughs> yes. And I know, I feel ashamed for never having seen all the way through that. And that also, Muppet Treasure Island, I think oh, I haven't I seen lo- all the way through. Oh, and it has Tim Curry. Is it? Yeah, he plays Blackbeard. Oh, well, see, I've got to so do now, it. So now we may have to go watch those things, because if I am one thing, it is a fan of Muppets. Well, let it be so, and not otherwise. This is the way. This is the way. So the I wrote that the songs were mostly cabbage, and I <laughs> that's that's too harsh. Cabbage. That's so. What's funny is in uh, Muppet Christmas Carol, we do have some singing cabbages. Do you? Yeah. Oh well. So I got so that. My f- mind went there. I got that from uh, in South Park. Oh. They've got the New Jersey episode where everyone turns Jersey. Oh gosh. Just, and what they they say they insult each other. You're cabbage. You're cabbage. They, oh. It sounds like they're saying cabbage. So the thing that I don't understand is in like this Jersey stereotype, everyone talks about how classy they are, but none of them are classy. So why mm-hmm. is that the thing that they aspire to be? Yeah. Yeah. I don't I know. It's like what you're doing, not classy. Yeah. yeah so, I agree. So, sorry. All sorry. people from New Jersey. No, not all people. Oh, okay. All right. So but, you're not trying to insult all New Jerseyans. No, the Jersey Shore stereotype people. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah. So I thought the song, I didn't like the songs. I didn't like the dancing. And so that's just what I think for musical, two out of 10. Okay. So mine was 10 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) So at the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. And I think most of that has to do with, I love that classical sound and I love that classical look and it enveloped me into that world of kind of suave fifties people like, you know, that, that, that whole aesthetic I really enjoy. So, and that is just something fundamentally different between the two of us. So I, well, I mean, I, cause I, I can get on board with the old school look of things, but the sound is also something that I like. Like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I actually listen to the crooners and I also like Sinatra and yeah. Sinatra technically not fifties, but that, that kind of, I listen to Rosemary Clooney. I have um, a Mambo Italiano station on my... Mambo number five? Not Mambo number five. Uh, Rosemary Clooney has a song called Mambo Italiano. Oh, so was that like Mambo number one? <laughs> Is that the first Mambo? Yeah, yeah I think it Mambo loves Mambo. <laughs> so for me, it was a 10 out of 10 because it really enveloped the aesthetic that it was going for. Yeah. And I think it did it very well. Now, whether or not you subscribe and like to that, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. Well, and so I I love musicals and I love... You love Spamalot. I've never seen Spamalot. 
What? Whoa. Well, now it's going to be difficult to us. There's no stage shows <laughs> happening right now. I know. Yeah, actually, I think I had tickets to see Spamalot at some point, and it got canceled for one reason or another. This was years ago. I don't remember who I was seeing it with. but Oh, man. So there's someone that I'm friends with online who was saying that they were airing on PBS a stage show version of Holiday Inn. And my, my question was like, did, did they get rid of that problematic scene like with the blackface? <laughs> did you get rid of your problem? Yeah, and apparently they did for PBS. Oh, good. That's so nice. like the, the the movie is the only place where you see that really, it, it's bad. It's bad. Like, it's, it's bad. You showed it to me. Yeah, yeah it's bad. It, it's, it is real it's bad. It's real bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so anyway, I like musicals, so I'm, it's not that I'm against musicals. I think it is that it's the 50s kind of crooning sound I don't I don't jive with really well. I mean, it I just brought you down. Yeah, and it's not that I dislike old music because I like Beatles and yeah, I like the Beatles and I like super classic movie. You're talking Beethoven and and <laughs> Mozart, Rachmaninoff. Yeah, so I you know, I I guess it's just that that there's a window of time with croony fellas that I just mm-hmm. I don't get down with. So directing, yeah, how do you feel? So for directing. I gave, oh man, I feel really bad. I feel like I'm I'm breaking your little heart, but I gave it a two out of 10. So, you know, I will say that Michael Curtis, he was a director who did a lot of these kind of Errol Flynn kind of swashbuckling. Like he was the 1950s director. Like if there was something that you would associate with kind of that 1950s aesthetic, mm-hmm. it was him. So he's to blame? Well, I don't know that he was to blame. He's He had a direction vision and he achieved it, whether or not that's something you enjoyed. That's, well, I think <laughs> yeah. that, that's why I blame him because I, I don't, yeah. I thought the set design was good. He also directed Casablanca. He directed Casablanca? Mm-hmm. Well, he did a good job on that one. So <laughs> <laughs> he fucked up on this one. Uh, poor Michael Curtis. <laughs> Seriously, he directed Casablanca? Yep. God, how did I not know that? How did I not? I don't think we talked about the director much in Casablanca. I don't think we did. To say we we enjoyed what he yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, crazy! And I, I I look up the actors and stuff like that when I'm doing trivia and things, but I I haven't been looking up the directors unless I recognize the name. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a that's a shortcoming on my side. So yeah, that's that's really interesting. <laughs> so clearly he knows what he's doing, but he's just. Uh, no. I mean, I, it's also a genre movie. This so it's very different. I don't know. I thought the set designs were very good. The cons, though, it was the lighting and everything else. I just I didn't uh, really jive with it. So I much. gave it a 5 out of 10. I, I believe with Casablanca, I obviously rated much higher. Yeah. But, you know, it, again, with what the vision they had for this film, I think they achieved it. I suppose so. But, um, but that vision was not something that made my eyes happy. So I will say that I already know that I'm going to be a little sad when we get to the music. Because uh-huh. I gave it a 9 out of 10, and I know that yours is going to be 1. Yeah, okay, so if you could guess what my music would be, what would you say? Based on the conversation we just had, 1. <laughs> That's where you're wrong. It's a 1.5. <laughs> oh, it's very tough <laughs> uh, uh, So, prose? So, uh, again, music, I think the, the hard part about music mm-hmm. is there is a um, subjective level enjoyment. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so... I happen to like this genre. Mm-hmm. You do not. So yeah. So that that's yeah. that's gonna put up a wall. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. yeah. So for me, because I enjoyed this type of music, I had a lot of fun. And I will say, like, "We'll Follow the Old Man" is a song that just kind of now has that emotional attachment to it for me. So mm-hmm. I think because I like this genre, 
I really enjoyed the music. I know that that's, I have not encountered someone who just had a visceral reaction to this genre of music. And it makes me believe you won't like Wizard of Oz. I mean, I've definitely seen all the way through it multiple times, but it was when I was younger. So I, if I try to uh, assemble all the events of the movie, I'll probably miss a bunch of things. So like it has this style of music. So if you didn't like it here, I find it hard that you would like it in Wizard of Oz. However, I did see Wizard of Oz when I was a kid, so I shall have some nostalgia. True. But it's also not a musical. It's not like a musical special where they're singing every two seconds. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's more like a musical in the way Disney films are. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Dorothy sings a few times and I remember Mm -hmm. she's got kind of a croony voice. Judy Garland, yeah. Whatever. So, somewhere over the rainbow. That sort of thing. Yeah. Did I, did I nail it? That's how she does it? Uh, no. I, she, there's a sincerity and just raw beauty to Judy Garland's voice that I, I think That I hard. didn't just capture there? No. I, I didn't have raw beauty in what I just did? No. Man, I'll tell you what. I thought you were a friend. <laughs> So judging music in a musical is dependent on you liking. Well, okay. So if I'm trying to, okay, since you've just compared it to Wizard of Oz and I remember liking at least some of the music in Wizard of Oz, I'm thinking that it's a different type of old. A different type. (laughs) Yeah. So. Less swing and old. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know what I'm trying to break up the genres. So the, the music in this was kind of, what would you say? Jazzy? croony more not so much jazzy but uh, kind of uh, classic 50s sound to it like i'm trying to uh, i i struggle to identify what swing uh li- big, li- big 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 band big band it, it, it's not so much big band it, it is a little more swing it's a little more of that kind of crooning is its own thing so it's it's crooning 50s i didn't really get that same sort of thing from wizard of oz and maybe i'm just not remembering it well because i haven't seen it in so long but i i seem to remember it was it was more more classically like musical like something like i i don't even i can't i can't find a good genre for it but it, it seems like music that would be at home in a disney movie more whimsical maybe is what maybe you're maybe yeah. and maybe that's why i like it better because it's more whimsical and this was just like hey join the army that sort of thing. <laughs> Actually, I don't. I don't care. Sorry, I don't connect. It just with... reminded me of the Simpsons where they had the subliminal message through uh, boy band music. Oh, I don't think I saw that. And join the navy. <laughs> I'll just. Uh, I'll have to pull up that YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I just I don't know if it's a combination of I didn't connect with the the genre and the subject matter and the themes and anything <laughs> so it was a complete breakdown in anything that i could care about and, yeah. and so in with wizard of oz it's whimsical and there's an interesting story that i'm compelled by characters that i am interested in and things like that I, so i don't know so that being said what would you give the writing i gave it a three out of ten and i'm wondering if i should give it lower Beca- well, that, that's definitely up to you <laughs> so for the the writing because uh, there was a couple points that you struggled through like the the rationale behind doing the show the exact certain way that they did and yeah do, doing the show which I, I didn't think would help the inn i thought they should have done more advertising sooner or uh, put the show later and i don't know so the whole romance between the two guys and the two ladies I, I can buy it between Bing and his lady. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure what was going on with the with Kay and his lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I don't know, know maybe whose three. romance I really believed. Maybe three is appropriate. Who? Bing and the innkeeper when she 
Hey. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that was kind of random. He didn't seem like he was interested in uh, in being with ladies and doing quick relationships and stuff like that. But she gave him an open mouth kiss and he was on board. Yeah, he was. It, that, that scene just made me smile. So Maybe I- he just wanted someone more age appropriate. Kay kept giving him the young ladies it's wearing skirts. Ladies. And, he, he wa- and he, yeah, exactly. And he wanted a housefrau <laughs> who would give him open mouth kisses. <laughs> so for writing, I gave it a five out of 10. There was definitely some, um, like if you were fine tooth combing like we are, you definitely get some problems. But um, I think that there was just a charming, simple story. And there was also less racism than Holiday Inn, but there was for still, sure. and, and misogyny, but there was still some racism. The fact that there are only white people. And there was also misogyny. Mm-hmm. How did you think the actors did? I, see, I don't know how sometimes to divorce bad writing from bad acting because they were characters making odd decisions. So, and it's also kind of in a heightened world of a musical where people are doing heightened things. So for me, where I was having trouble with this score was the fact that like I would rate Danny Kay higher on the acting scale than Bing. Oh, see, I would think I would go the opposite way. I so, thought Bing felt more grounded. Bing was more grounded, but as far as acting chops and like, I feel like a lot of the energy of this film came from Kay. Oh, yes. I, I think he was definitely more the comedian mm-hmm. and seemed like a better onstage performer. Mm-hmm. But Wait. but acting in, in regular acting scenes, I, I thought Bing felt more real to me. Okay. but So I, I gave it a six out of 10, but I... I now thinking about it, I may reduce that to five. Yeah, so I gave it a three, and like I think that Bing was better than everyone else. House Frau was obviously really good. She reminded me of the Wicked Witch so much. Like if you ever saw the Wicked Witch out of character, oh, yeah, it's uh, well, you do when she's kidnapping Toto in the beginning. Yeah, so it was there were some good instances of good performances in the movie, but it was kind of mostly. Eh. So I think three is actually on my scale, especially mm-hmm. where you've got Olivier putting <laughs> putting Bing up next to Olivier. It's not the same it's, thing. Yeah. So <clears throat> anyway, so I think three is is re- reasonable. What would you give as your real rating? So critically anal- analyzing the movie, what would you give it out of ten? So I gave my real rating a six point five. Okay, I gave mine a three. Mm-hmm. Which, based on our conversation, I yeah, I understand to be expected why. at yeah. this point. Yeah. I am sad that you did not enjoy it as much as as I did, but you know, I I you described your your troubles with it well, and I, I understand. Yeah. yeah, and I can totally understand how this would be a, a super enjoyable movie if you love all the themes and that genre of music and all, and all the rest of it. it. It's you know, pig and shit sort of thing. Yeah, which I'm not saying this movie is shit. That's not what That's I'm trying to what say. You said. <laughs> so uh, my heart rating is you know a seven point five. So it went up. Yeah, it actually went up. You watch this every year. How are you surprised? A half a point up. This year, and maybe it's just been a really rough year or something like that, I found myself more emotional than I usually am watching And it. this movie was a warm hug. It, it was a warm hug, but it was also like I, I found myself thinking about family and specifically. And this, yeah. you know, this is rose tinting everything, but, you know, the... The new association I have with it, with Rocky and... You, you find yourself more deeply rose-tinted than ever. Yeah. I'm more rose than rose. I feel like for the most part... I've, I'm rose gold, baby. I de-rose you every episode, at least a small bit. Usually, yeah. But this one you have... I think maybe in the past also, maybe once or twice you've increased your rosiness. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. understandable. For my heart rating, I gave it a two. I'm going to reduce it to a one. Mm-hmm. 
I think. What did I give Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? I think you gave it a one. <laughs> okay, it's got to be higher than that. So, I would watch this movie before I'd watch Temple, Temple of Doom, Doom again. I'm going to pull up your reading real quick just to, to verify, but I'm pretty sure. Oh, yep, one and one. One and one. Okay, so at least the real rating is higher for White Christmas. Yeah. I'm comfortable with my heart rating being a one, but the real rating being slightly higher than that. Mm-hmm. So three for real, which is much higher than three Temple of Doom. Four real. But heart, I, I'm still not going to watch this again. Okay. And, yeah. Unless you've got it on. I won't force. Actually, no, it's got to be a two, I guess, because if you have this on at your house during Christmas time and I'm over there, shut off the TV. (laughs) No, but if Temple of Doom is on, I will. (laughs) I I just didn't expect you to walk in my house, not say a word, go to grab the DVD trilogy set and (laughs) smack me with it. (laughs) No. Yeah. I'm going to set an alert on your TV that if Temple of Doom ever starts to show, I'll get an alert on my phone and I'm heading to your house and I'm going to break something. <laughs> it's going to be like flashing red light, like the bat signal. Like, yeah, exactly. Get over here, smack <laughs> There's like a temple of doom symbol in the corner of my room. You know, it's just going to be like a serpent. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it had to be snakes. <laughs> snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? All right. So we've discussed that. All right. So that's kind of it, man. We're going to act six next time on RDR. What are we doing next? We are going to Gremlins. Gremlins, eh? Oh Gremlins. my God, I'm next, so excited. For the next Christmas movie. I'm so excited. Well, we all know how much you loved him during <laughs> Waxwork. What? Who? The lead actor of Gremlins. Oh, that's right. He's in Gremlins again. And you'll be able to see when you said, yeah, he said this was his worst acting ever. And I'm like, has he seen his own movie Gremlins? <laughs> well, look at this, man. I, I can't wait. Honestly, I've been wanting to watch Gremlins. I've been wanting an excuse to watch Gremlins for a long time. All right, so I'm going to say you cannot listen to this. Rude. I know, I'm the worst. Billy Pelser has a nice home. Billy, is that you? Yeah, Ma, it's me. A nice job. A nice girl. If you're not doing anything this Thursday night, maybe you'd like to uh, go out on a date with me? I'd love to. And loving parents who are about to give him... You're going to like this. No, 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 don't shake it. We're going to have to open it now. We'll wait till Christmas. The most unusual gift (laughs) he ever got. What is it? No. It's your new pet. Come on, Barney, be a good dog. My dad gave it to me. But there are a few things to keep in mind. If you expose it to the light, you may hurt it. If you get it wet, it will multiply. All that from water? They got wet? Yeah, plain water. And most important, no matter how much they beg, never, never let them eat after midnight. Because when they do, they change. They become clever. Mischievous. What's going on here? And dangerous. Gremlins, huh? Little monsters. Right. Hundreds of them. Well, I, I don't know, maybe thousands. They've been here too. Billy, what are these things? Where do they come from? Look, I know it sounds crazy, I know. But in a few hours, you're gonna have a major disaster on your hands. Gremlins. Directed by Joe Dante. They'll be expecting you. 
So that was the trailer for Gremlins. My nostalgia rating for that would be a 6 out of 10. Hopefully, Mr. Zachary will enjoy it. I'm just really struggling with <laughs> buttons these days. Well, you're not a Mac person, are you? You got yourself a little PC over there. It's true. It's I don't true. know why you've done that to yourself. You've you tied yourself to the wrong anchor. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so you know, that's what's coming up next, fellas. We're going to be watching Gremlins. And you, you said your nostalgia for that is? Six out of ten. What do you expect mine to be? My heart, that is. Your heart, I would say six out of ten. A six out of ten for gremlins? Mm -hmm. All right. Well, you've heard it here first, folks. Now, remember, as this is the end of the episode, I have to remind you, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Nowhere else. If it's on Apple Podcasts and it's five-star, we're going to read it here please do it. It helps with the podcast. It's going to help us grow. If you care about us even a little bit, you will do this. You will be a good person and go out and review us. Be a super fan. Be that person. Be that hero. You are You are going to help us. You're, you're on the ground level right now. We have not made it. We've not made it big in the industry of podcasting. But we could. And if we one day do, you will be able to say you helped us get there. And honestly... That's the best Christmas gift we could ask for. Exact amount. Notoriety. See, we don't ask for much. We don't ask for money. We ask we for notoriety don't want and fame. A lot for Christmas. Wait, we gotta sing. Uh, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. I can't hit those delicious bass notes like you can. Just like the ones I used to know. Do, do. Do, do, do. I don't remember the rest. <laughs> anyway. So um, also, if you want to join the conversation and have some great fun, join us on our Facebook group, RTR Community Face Place. RDR Community Face Place. RDR. RDR. I just <laughs> became like a cooked up pirate. Something. RDR. <laughs> you can't see it, but he's like really trembling and shaking when he does that note. It's like... It's like, you know, when you see a speaker hit that bass note and it trembles, he was doing that with his entire body. Yeah, I hit some sort of uh, pirate <laughs> yeah. frequency in my system. Pirate frequency is a great expression. Exactly. Um, also, I would like to thank Mr. Julian Crowhurst for mm -hmm. use of our theme song. Caca! <laughs> exactly. I'm glad he corrected me in such a manner because that was hilarious. <laughs> yep. So anyway, that's it. That's it. Right? All right. So this has been the episode of the podcast where we discuss White Christmas. Thank you all very much for joining us. I've been Zach. I've been Allison. And this has been our first film in our holiday season. Bye, folks. Bye. Now, if Zach can just talk during the outro, Allison can do it too. Though I don't really have anything to say. She cut me. She's being a jerk. Can't believe she would do it. Is anyone still listening? Because I want the last word, damn it. <laughs> <laughs>